106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Vietnam. This is Eddie Garlic coming to you live from AFRS, Armed Forces Radio Saigon. It's 16.29 hours here in Saigon, and Airman Adrian Kronauer is going home today. But he left a farewell message for all you guys out there still sweating it out in the fields. So, without further ado, here's a farewell extravaganza. Goodbye, Vietnam! That's right. I'm history. I'm out of here. I got the lucky ticket home, baby. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them wagon rolling raw hard. Yeah, that's right. The final Adrian Cronauer broadcast. And this one is brought to you by our friends at the Pentagon. Remember the people who brought you Korea. That's right, the U.S. Army. If it's being done correctly here or abroad, it's probably not being done by the Army. I heard that. Oh, you're here. Good to see you. I'm here to make sure you don't say anything controversial. I want to thank everybody for the tremendous support you've shown. We're going to take back the Senate, take back the House. We're going to take back the White House. And sooner than you think, it's going to be really something special. But the love and the affection and the respect that you've given all of us, it's really important. The Republican Party is stronger than it's ever been, and it's going to be a lot stronger than it is right now. We're going to turn it around. We're going to turn it around fast. Thank you all very much. That support has been so incredible. Thank you. As Dr. Walensky said on an earlier, uh, an earlier briefing today, this is really becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And that means getting vaccinated, you can save yourself. I mean, come on. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I mean, <laughs> If and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. But if Donald Trump tells us I should that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Hmm. Sounds like vaccine skepticism to me. And the interesting thing is, is that all of these people were Democrats. Now, what could possibly be different between last year and this year? Oh, I remember Trump was president then. So it was time for all of those hypocrites to talk about how dangerous and unsafe the vaccine was. Check out what these hypocrites had to say last year. I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine, and they should be. We can't trust the president uh, and take his word and take a vaccine that might cause harm to us. If and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well. I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. Is the vaccine safe? Uh, frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion. 
And I wouldn't recommend to New Yorkers based on the federal government's opinion. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. Would you trust that vaccine? There's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. We cannot take for granted this process will be free of political influence. I don't trust the president, and I don't trust the FDA. If Donald Trump can't give answers and the administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. You're going to say to the American people now, here's a vaccine, it was new, it was done quickly, but trust this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe? I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump. Hey, how confident are you in the approval process of the FDA right now? How confident am I? Uh, I'm not that confident. Yes, I would be hesitant, but I'm going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. You got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus this is a safe vaccine. Uh, what I'm worried about is that there's some sort of October surprise and that there is a pressure put on the decision makers here to announce the vaccine in October of 2020. We're going to put together our own group of doctors and medical experts to review the vaccine and the efficacy and the protocol. And if they say it's safe, then I'll go to the people of New York and I will say it's safe. But if Donald Trump tells us I should that we should take it, I'm not taking it. And I share all of these things to expose the utter hypocrisy of these people. Look, take the vaccine or don't take the vaccine. I believe that that should be up to everybody. But for these people on the left to try to pretend um, as if you are putting people's lives in danger if you decide not to take that vaccine, when they were expressing the same types of hesitancy that a lot of people are today, last year, and they were allowed to do it last year because they were against the president last year, but now all of a sudden their tunes change. These people are complete hypocrites. And I'm telling you guys, stop listening to them. Do what you want to do with your body. Good evening, this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, <coughs> and this episode is our 140th episode, and it will be up uh, to be obtained on December 4, 2021, that's a Saturday, <clears throat> so at the same time, or at the same morning, that this is up on the podcast. Uh, of course, you can get that at your podcast source, or you can also get that at our website, nohostagesradio.com, nohostagesradio.com. There also is a live show that some have wanted to listen to. It's a little different. It's uh, similar in length. It's about, actually, it's three hours long on live radio. But uh, it covers some of the same information we're covering on the podcast, but it also covers some uh, other issues that have popped up between the time that we did the podcast and the time we did the live radio show. So if you're interested in that, that uh, we don't call it No Hostages Radio. We call it Live with Lou on KMYC. 
So if you want to listen to that somewhere uh, where you are out in outer Slombodia, you can just go to the website called live365.com, live, L-I-V-E, 365.com. And you can just uh, click that you want to listen to radio and then put in the, the call letters KMYC, Marysville, like M, Marysville, Yuba City, KMYC. Uh, you don't have to put in 1410 AM or anything like that. And it will stream that to you so you can listen to it on your tablet or phone, whatever, however you listen to things. <clears throat> okay, so if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can reach me on my phone. If you want to follow up, talk to me, or you want to text me something that you found of interest that uh, I might need or want, you can dial me up at 530-713-1838. That's 530-713-1838. Or you can email me at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. I do check that a few times a week. I have other email uh, addresses that are busier than that, but that I kind of reserve that just for uh, communication on the podcast and the live radio. Uh, okay, I think that's it. Um, so yeah, if if it, you know more and more, uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I got fifty or a hundred people. More and more, though, I have people that are communicating with me about things going on in their communities whatever state they're uh, chatting from uh, and they let me know or they let me know articles or video clips they've seen on some platform that they think might be helpful or interesting to the the listeners here which I really appreciate because other than that is just me so you all know who you are who have been already communicating so uh, have at it well, let's get into it, and if I've forgotten something, I'll come back and clean it up here in a minute. We're, we're going to do six segments of about 20 minutes each, um, it, it's separated by some clips that I've included. So I hope you enjoy the clips. I, I did. That's why I included them. I don't really purposely do anything that I think is a dud, although sometimes you may wonder. So we've got a, a phenomenon happening in our local area here, local for us, uh, where we live is in Northern California in Yuba and Sutter counties. That's two of the 58 counties in California. And we're up in the North that, um, we don't dislike the South or hate the South. We just don't want to be a part of the South because all, any decision that's made for Southern California, we, we get included in it because they have the preponderance of the population. So, we're up here in the north. We think we like different things in the folks in the cities and the south. Uh, again, we're not against them. It's just folks, you know how it is. Some people like country living. Some people like the city living, right? Some people like beyond the coast. Some people like in the mountains. So we have some differences. And and uh, although we've made a couple um, muffed attempts at separating, uh, and we haven't really gotten any help from our legislators from the area, which isn't unusual. But here we are, and so I, I'm going to talk about a local issue here, but I, the same problems exist in your community, whether it's Tampa, Florida, or Austin, Texas, or somewhere, you know, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, all those places that we have a handful of listeners. I'm not suggesting I got millions of listeners. I got some listeners. 
and I know they're scattered around because they've scattered out of California, most of them, and then kind of just drift back to listen. Uh, so what's happened is locally is in Yuba Sutter counties, we have been fighting for our lives, our and not just our physical life, death or life, or life or death, but we've been fighting for our freedom that that has been being eroded and taken from us through the fraud of the COVID uh, flu. The COVID flu was never the issue. Uh, it was, it was uh, propagated as a major issue by the media and the proponents uh, to take over the world through a global reset. Uh, and... Uh, so the whole goal was to deliver a vaccine and a series of vaccines because when you look right at it, big pharma, since government from the founding of the country continued to expand, 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 and stick its nose under every tent here, then government returns the favor by buying off people in government to get their way. So big corporations can get their way and little guys suffer under all these thousands and thousands and thousands of regulations, right? So all of a sudden we have these big box stores and big corporations that are uh, partnered up with politicians. So big pharma, some of the biggest donors to politicians, politicians are some of the biggest stockholders of big pharma. They've given big pharma immunity. And basically what we have is big pharma is now making billions and trillions of dollars off these shots that are flawed. They never did intend them to stop COVID. They're not stopping COVID. Uh, it's like trying to stop the common cold. What they are doing is suppressing people's immune system and uh, causing a lot of problems and, uh, and a lot of deaths. And there'll be a lot more deaths. And I'll get to that in a minute, in an hour or so. What I wanted to talk about is that we're fighting for our lives in every community. People say, well, we just need to vote somebody new into office at, at the state level, the federal level. We need to stand up. What we need to do is stand up for our rights. If you think you have a right, you need to stand up for it. Otherwise, you're not going to get that right. So uh, what we have is government has become a bully. And there's many people that are just complicit with government because they're what they call sheeple. They're sheeple, and uh, that's a combination. If you're new to that, it's a combination of the word sheep and people. They're sheeple, and they just go along to get along, and they don't have. They're an easy convert to communism, and just if they tell you to stay in your home, they stay in your home. They tell you to wear a mask or a condom or a coat or a hat or drink a bottle of water, they do it. So what's happened in our community is we've been fighting to. Uh, return to something that we used to call normal freedom. You can go anywhere you want. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to get shots, all that kind of stuff, even though there's a lot of pressure in certain aspects of our community of Yuba Center where they're pushing shots. Uh, Dr. Mingala Fong Lu and her uh, pro propagandist, uh, Joseph Goebbels, Crystal Martin, uh, being paid to kill people. And so Martin and Lou are killing 
hundreds and sickening thousands of people. Now, it's interesting. I'll just say this and then I'll move on to my point. The fraud of this thing is that they anything that happened in the world, if a sparrow fell, fell out of a tree, they called it COVID in the beginning, right? Everything was a COVID. Everybody died of COVID. Everybody that got sick got sick with COVID. <clears throat> we knew that was a fraud almost immediately. Now, if people take the jab and die two days later, of just a coincidence, right? Or they die immediately, or they have heart uh, inflammation, or they have a heart attack. Nothing you can, it's very difficult to connect it back to COVID. It's just like the vaccine is immune to controversy and criticism. That's the way it's being played by the politicians, the medical, political, industrial complex. So fraudulent on both ends. They're liars at the first, they're liars at the second. So what's happened is uh, recently uh, the Yuba Sutter Center for the Arts, which is, uh, according to their website, it's been around for three decades. It's a nice place. They do a nice job, I think, in general. And uh, they have a lot of, uh, for folks that um, like to attend art gallery exhibits and play, small plays, um, musical, uh, you know, a variety of small concerts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they got a lot going on over there. They, their website's well done. They do a lot of things well. One of the things they, they recently did, and uh, there's been discussions in our counties about this, is people thinking, well, I'm going to mandate if you come to my business, you have to get a shot. You have to be shot, injected. You have to wear a mask. You have to, uh, you know, have to be COVID tested, et cetera, right? So you find elements in our community, like you find the school system that, that has gone off the edge on that because of Gavin Newsom. And you find some government people, but generally uh, there's just, you know, uh, different companies are talking about doing mandates if you're going to shop with them. Well, that's easy for me because I, I don't I'm not going to necessarily force my way through a door, but I'm going to let them know I'm not going to be spending any money with you for the rest of my life. And I will go somewhere else. So what happened here recently is the Yuba Sutter Center for the Arts posted if you go on their website. Uh, you can see COVID-19 rules and you go on that place and it, it says if you buy a ticket from us to attend an event, then you're acknowledging that you understand the COVID rules inside our facilities uh, and or any of our events, whether they're at their facility in Marysville or at another facility, for instance. If they're running it, you got to abide by their rules. So without getting into the, all the weeds, the general rules, they're all there. Go check it out. Uh, and you may agree or disagree, which is fine. Uh, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute as well. I'm going to talk a bit about this because I'm going to talk about the government getting involved in charity. So they, they have some COVID rules that says if you come to our event, you either have to be vaccinated and you have to show a vaccine card and you have to show an identification now, it's interesting, you don't have to show identification to vote here, but you have to show identification to prove that you're the person on the card. So if you don't have that, then you have to show a fresh PCR test that shows that you're not sick with COVID, okay, within 72 hours. And then even though you do all that and pass, you have to wear a mask, and they actually have schematics on their website on the just no, just any old mask won't do like the rag around the face 
or they got a variety of masks. They just said, we're not going for any of those. It got to be a, the right mask and it's got to be worn right. They're very specific about it. And uh, I'm not taking, I'm not speaking sarcastically here and I'm not speaking critically. I'm just telling you what's going on. Cause I'm going to make a point here in a minute. See if you can catch it because it applies in your community too. So they just uh, got the okay, I guess from Dr. Amengala, uh, Lou, that they can have events again. So, so they're going to have, so they got a whole host of events. It's cool. And a lot of things coming up and, and uh, it's good for the community. So anyway, uh, they run primarily on donations from the community. They're a nonprofit organization. And uh, I don't know whether they get any state funding. They probably get some state funding, but uh, they do also, according to them. And I I've seen uh, this evidence of this, in the media that they solicit and uh, get donations of our tax dollars. You, if you're from this area, you pay taxes in a variety of ways, probably a hundred different ways. And those end up, some of those taxes or portion of them end up with the local government, the the two cities like Marysville, Yuba city and uh, Yuba County and Sutter County. And so it's interesting that politicians uh, like to give money away, even though they're complaining they don't have enough money. But then they give money away to a nonprofit like like an art center, even though a lot of people uh, would not have time to go to the art center or they are not interested in art or they even don't like art. Or in other words, it's not anything against art. Just people have different interests. Some people are hunters. Some people are ride horses. Right. We live out in a rural area. So the point is that the our tax dollars that are taken from everybody are then turned around and given a, port, a portion of those tax dollars have been being given to the Arts Council to uh, fund their operation. So the interesting thing is that now uh, I'm not... It, it's hard to figure out how many people are actually vac- vaccinated or even are willing to take the test here. Some people think it's 30, 40% are not. So what that essentially means is that 30 or 40% or maybe even higher are not able to attend an event at the art center because of their pers- their specific rules, even though their tax money was taken for them and given to the art center so they could put on events for all of the taxpayers. Now, I am not against, and, and I, a lot of people may not be like I am, the way I think of this. I don't have a problem with the black people having a black entertainment uh, television or the Black Academy Awards or a black graduation for all the blacks at Harvard University or black clubs or black baseball teams or any of that, or I don't have a problem with the women having the women's club or the women's golf club or women, women, women. I think that's fine. Or I don't have a problem with any other uh, ethnic group having their, the Filipino cultural group, right? And they have their own gig. I don't have any problem with that. And saying that other people aren't welcome here. That's fine with me. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is when a group like that I just explained to you of those, all those take government money that the government is supposedly the theory is supported by 
all of us in some fashion. And we're forced to give to the government. It isn't a charity, the government. We all give to it. Uh, and we have skin in the game. And so when the founding fathers, and I'm going to talk about that probably right after the break here, they did not like the federal government, the ones that were speaking about federal government, did not like the federal government getting involved in charity, any kind of nonprofit charity type work. That was for the local people to do themselves. But it's become very fashionable in the United States, all the way from the federal, state, and the cities and counties, and the other jurisdictions, whatever they call them, had, politicians have got into the habit of giving to their favorite folks. They take out of my pocket. It's like charity is when you take earn your money, you take out of your pocket, and you give to somebody you think is worthy of your money. That's That's a legitimate charitable contribution. But if my neighbor wants to give to the ABC company, that's a charitable company, and he really likes them, and he comes over, and steals $100 out of my house and then gives it to that charitable cause, he is not being charitable. He is a thief. You see? And I believe that politicians are thieves who take our money and then turn around and give it to charitable organizations. I think they ought to be using it for police, fire, and just the basic things to protect us, provide security, and that's it. And if they if they got too much money, they should give it back to us. Now, when it, here's the problem. I don't have any problem with the Arts Council making all kinds of rules on who can come in there. If you need to be circumcised, if you need to be uh, under a certain weight, if you need to be a heterosexual or a homosexual or a transsexual, and they're going to have transsexual night, private nonprofit, go for it. But I don't believe those people should have a right to take government money that's being taken from everybody. And then they be discriminatory of keeping us out of an event. And even if I don't want to go to the event, if I don't ever want to attend one of those events, if they do anything to keep me out, they shouldn't get any government money. So what's going on right now is there's protests. Just in the last two or three days, there's been protests at the arts center saying they're taking tax dollars and discriminating, uh, keeping certain people out. And right now it's going to be the anti-vaxxers and the, the people that say, I'm not going to test and I'm not going to vax. Uh, you don't have a right to my medical history, nor, nor get into my medical business. We'll be right back and we'll start again. Make somebody happy. Make somebody strong. I quit effective immediately because I will not give this this poison to people. Wake up, everybody. This is poison. This is hurting people. I've seen it. I've seen customers die. Wake up. Do not take it. I would. It's the 22nd of November, 2021, and this is the moment when the jabbing has to stop. 
A couple of hours ago, Darren Smith, the editor of the excellent Light Paper, sent me a paper from the medical journal Circulation, which proves that the COVID-19 jabbing experiment has to stop today. I believe that any doctor or nurse who gives one of the mRNA COVID jabs after today will in due course be struck off the appropriate register and arrested. The journal Circulation is a well-respected publication. It's 71 years old, its articles are peer-reviewed and in one survey it was rated the world's number one journal in the cardiac and cardiovascular system category. I'm going to quote the final sentence of the abstract which appears at the beginning of the article. This is all I, you or anyone else needs to know. Open quotes. We conclude that the mRNA vaccine dramatically increases inflammation on the endothelium and T-cell infiltration of cardiac muscle and may account for the observations of increased thrombosis, cardiomyopathy and other vascular events following vaccination. Close quotes. That's it. That's the death bell for the COVID-19 mRNA jabs. The endothelium is a layer of cells lining blood vessels and lymphatic vessels. T-cells are a type of white cell. We always knew these jabs were experimental. My video in December 2020, just under a year ago, warned about these specific risks. I read out a list of possible adverse events published officially by the American government. But now we have proof of the link. The mRNA jab is, remember, known not to stop people catching COVID-19 and it is known not to stop people spreading it. I don't believe anyone disputes these facts now. And yet vast numbers of deaths and serious injuries have occurred among people who have been jabbed. Look at the item headed update. How many are the vaccines killing? The list on my websites. It's a horrific list. Now we have the evidence we need to stop the jabbing programs. In the survey quoted, a total of 566 patients aged 28 to 97 were tested. These were not children, these were adults. The tests were, the number were equally divided among men and women. Open quotes, at the time of this report, close quotes, says the author, open quotes, these changes persist for at least 2.5 months post second dose of vaccine, close quotes. At the very least, the use of these jabs must stop now, immediately, until more long-term tests are done. If there were any journalists left in the mainstream media, this news would be lead item on all TV and radio programmes and be on the front pages of all newspapers. Thank heavens for free speech platforms such as BNT, which enable me to bring you this news. I've said all along, for a year, that this jab was an experiment certain to kill and injure. We've always known that to experiment on people without their full consent and understanding, after disclosing all the risks and potential side effects, is a crime. Now the evidence exists that must stop this experiment. If the Covid jab experiment continues after today, then we know for absolute sure that this is not a medical treatment, it's a cull. Please share this video immediately with everyone you know. Thank you. Who are the mascots of the anointed? You talk about the mascots of the anointed. They're people whom, whom they choose to um, 
back and whose rights are supposed to override other people's rights. The homeless are a classic example. Uh, I'm, I'm appalled when I see people out there in the street uh, giving money to, to the home. I mean, able-bodied men. Yeah. I think one of the classic pictures to me was in San Francisco when there was this uh, able-bodied white man out in the street begging. And there's this black lady coming along there, uh, very modestly dressed like she didn't have, but she's stopping to open her purse to give him some money, you know. And I thought, good heavens, have we really come to this? And we've been brainwashed by the anointed into thinking this is what we ought to do. What do you say to guys who bum money off of you? Not all of it can be repeated on, on, on the air, <laughs> but the fact is they don't get any money. They don't. And, I, and people who complain now about all these people begging in the street, is a simple answer. Don't give them money, and they won't be in the street. But isn't that hard-hearted? And as a conservative, doesn't that make you a cruel, hard-hearted, well, uh, non-compassionate I'm, person? I'm, I'm, I'm depriving them of their booze and drugs. That's really what you believe? Yes. Now, would you help somebody if you knew it was going for food? Yeah, in fact, I, in fact, I must confess that just recently I, I did have, give out some money to an elderly lady uh, in St. Petersburg, Russia, because I'm told that they've been devastated by the fact that their pensions have been uh, ruined by the inflation that they've had over there. And so I, there are people, you know, like that. But, uh, but now we have a program. Not an able-bodied guy walking up to you. No, good heavens. Some of these guys look like they could be in the Olympics. So they don't have a right. Uh, I don't believe it is ethical. Let's put it that way. Rights, the term rights get, gets all goofed up in our language anymore. I don't believe it's ethical to, if they want to have all the rules they want and include or exclude or whatever they want, I think they ought to be able to do that. But to turn around and take government money, I, I don't believe that is ethical, correct, and I think politicians do it just to, to uh, grease their own palm. So Larry Elder, uh, he ran for governor here recently, but I, I was tr looking up a couple quotes that I was trying to remember what they were, and, and it, it brought up an article he wrote in 2001. And uh, he said, charity is not the government's job. That's Larry Elder. He wrote this good article, and I think it was in the Town Hall magazine or wherever. And uh, so uh, anyway, you'll remember George Bush, the, the uh, president, the second George Bush, and he uh, supposedly was a Christian or church guy, guy and he, he believed that uh, we ought to give money to faith, faith groups to do social work. And uh, Barry Lynn, who I don't even know whether Barry Lynn is still alive, but he would be the guy on the left who was as, uh, against, um, he was always against any kind of religion or spirituality involved in government. And uh, Lynn, uh, he, he was the head of Americans United for Separation of Church and State, which is a screwy organization. But anyway, he said this is one more example of a president who, 
who seems to think he's pastor of the country. George Bush believes religious conversion is the answer to every problem. He has every right to believe that, but he doesn't have the right to use taxpayer money to convert others. I agree with Barry Lynn. And he's, I think he's probably an atheist dude. But whether or not he, whether or not he's something else, it doesn't make any difference. I agree with Barry Lynn. I don't think the president is the pastor of the country. And I don't think, uh, I agree with his perspective on it. And, uh, and the founding fathers would agree with Barry Lynn. But as Larry Elder says, the horse is kind of out of the barn as the government has picked and chosen. In fact, all this stuff at the Southern border, all kinds of Catholic charities and Lutheran charities, they are making bajillions off that Southern border disaster. And they have been making bajillions for years on the Southern border by offering social services on both sides and being paid by the U S government. Now that's religion and they're getting paid. So, so it, Barry Lynn is right, but the fact is Larry Elder's right. He said the fact is people are they've the government has been kicking money down to religions, the Catholics and the Lutherans for years, and uh, that's just when, what's been going on. It it doesn't. I agree. It does not make it right. So uh, so when people when when the military came came back from the war and they got the GI Bill, they did not discriminate on. They gave these GIs money to go to college because they've been fighting for four or five years. And so they, they could go to a religious college or secular college or all those kind of things. And there's all kinds of problems. We're going to be voting probably in, in, uh, in California here on whether uh, money should follow the kid. In other words, people aren't happy with the public school system. So the question is, should the money be able to be spent by the kid and go to the school of their choice. I think they should. And some of them may be a religious school. But that's not supporting religion. That's just a kid and his parents choosing what's the best school in our area. And it happened to be Catholic school or Lutheran or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. But student loan programs, Pell Grants, all kinds of tuition assistance also uh, can be used for religious schools. So anyway... Uh, Larry Elder goes on to spell out here about it. I don't know whether you've ever thought about welfare, but the founding fathers did not believe they didn't even consider that people would do charity through government, that the government would actually give people money if they were short on money like welfare. And uh, the Welfare Reform Act of 1996 sparked a dramatic decline in welfare recipients, but government provided no questions asked welfare. Uh, it's still it still remains a, uh, a crutch in the United States. It's that it is not in the constitution. It's fabricated. Uh, so there's all kinds of incidences like this of, uh, there's been prison programs that were faith based. And, uh, and there's a lot of people get nervous about that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, I don't particularly have a problem with it. And I think government money ought to, I'm, I would be a purist in government money, no welfare, no funding of nonprofits, a government just taking care of this, securing the welfare, not, not the, not welfare money, but the welfare. In other words, so we're not being attacked by terrorists. So a guy named Michael Tanner with the Cato Institute, he wrote an article called the end of welfare. And he pointed out that during the Great Depression, self-help groups stepped up. 
private charitable groups stepped up and helped people through the depression. There was no welfare during that time. And in a, a great book that everybody should read, I read it many years ago, The Tragedy of American Compassion by Marvin Olasky. He wrote about, about Benjamin Franklin's 1766 criticism of, of a British Welfare Act. Now, this is a Welfare Act where they gave out money. And Franklin said, there is no country in the world, he's talking about Great Britain, in which the poor are more idle, dissolute, drunken, and insolent. The day you passed that act, you took away from before their eyes the greatest of all inducements to industry, frugality, sobriety, by giving them a dependence on somewhat else, somewhat uh, else uh, than a careful accumulation during youth and health for support in age and sickness. In other words, you took away from them the skills, the development of skills to pr to promote and uh, provide for them in in the end of their their life. Thomas Sowell estimates that nearly seventy cents of every dollar. This is in two thousand one, of every dollar intended for the needy beneficiary gets burned up in bureaucratic transfer costs. Now. James Madison, one of our founding fathers and principal author of the Constitution, said, quote, I cannot under undertake to lay my finger on that article of the Constitution, which granted a right to Congress of expending or spending on objects of benevolence, the money of their constituents. In other words, I can't see anything in the Constitution that we wrote and agreed to to take money from the, their, their, our constituents and then spend it for something we think is a good cause. Now, the supervisors of Yuba and Sutter County and the city council mem members of Marisol and Yuba City, they have every right to come out of their own pocket, their own checkbook, their own credit card, or cash to give to all the charitable groups of their choice or to individuals that may be in dire straits. And I think that's wonderful. And I think our community should become known that we're generous and we care for people in our community. But one of the greatest things that's destroyed the generosity of many people that don't give to anything is because they think the government takes care of that now. And it's ruined people's sense of loving their neighbor. Or supporting, bearing their neighbors, helping bear their neighbors' burdens in time of need. So, uh, Walter Williams, <clears throat> another economist, Walter died uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Walter Williams points out that er earlier presidents understood that government charity lacked any constitutional basis. He said, when Congress in 1887 sought to spend money for a charitable purpose, Grover Cleveland, the president then, said, I feel obliged to withhold my approval of the plan to indulge in benevolent or charitable sentiment through the appropriation of public funds. I think the key is it they're public funds. And and just because the congressman or the city council person or the supervisor thinks, I think, I think in this case, David Reed at, at the Yuba Sutter Arts Council is a wonderful guy and is busting his butt over there. And therefore, we should just help him. I don't believe they have a right to do that. It's not their money. It's public funds. And not everybody in the public 
wants to be involved in maybe in that center. And here's the other thing it takes. Sometimes in capitalism, there's a thing called creative destruction. And that means when your favorite restaurants change, changes hands and all of a sudden you just love to go there. Maybe you went there every Friday night or every Tuesday night with your babe. And then all of a sudden it changed hands. And you think, Oh wow, the meals have changed. And so what happens? You decide to go somewhere else and you don't, you don't wish them. You don't curse them. You don't wish them ill. You just don't spend their money there. So over a period of time, enough people do that. They go out of business. That's good for our economy that it's like pruning a tree after it produces fruit. It will produce better fruit next time if you prune the tree. So in the same way in nonprofits, people choose what they want to support. Some people choose. I, they invest in Little League. They invest in scouting. They invest in bird watching or uh, animal rescue. There's just Americans are into all kinds of cool things. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of great ideas. Uh, but people ought to make those choices and spend their money making their own wise choices and not the government making them for them. That's why we get into these predicaments. I don't have any problem with the arts council saying everybody's got to be vaxxed coming in here. If all their money came from the private sector, Joe, Joe and Susie, they fund it. Because they love art and they love David Reed and they love what's going on over there and super duper. And that's why all kinds of things exist in our community. And yet not everybody has to give to everything or participate in everything. Right. And so uh, Walter Williams points out about the earlier presidents and uh, he talked about Grover Cleveland. And he says, I uh," then it says. Uh, sorry, Larry Elder says, will Americans step up to the plate? Of course they will. He says, the amount of humanitarian money our country provides for other countries amply demonstrates our generosity. Do we care more about foreigners than down-on-their-luck Americans? Remember the Chicago fire of 1871? You remember that? Private donations from all over the country rebuilt the city. Did you know that? See, these are things that are amazing that actually teach you how to take care of business when things bad things happen here. Private donations from all of the country helped rebuild Chicago with virtually no government assistance, according to Larry Elder. He said during his campaign uh, for president, the conservative Bush repeatedly talked of how he trusted the people. And liberal former House Speaker Tip O'Neill famously used to say, all politics are local. And so Larry Elder concludes by saying, isn't charity also local? I, I only use this to point out that uh, that's the way the founding fathers thought it, that local control of lo- local people's money should stay with them and help people in need, whether they're a drug addict or they're a child whose parents got killed or what happened whatever uh, tragedy we had to scoop up and make right that's where local local funding happened and we didn't need the government to do it 
So Doug Gibbs, who's a constitutional lawyer, a specialist, and he writes books about the Constitution, his first book, 25 Myths of the United States Constitution. He said in James Madison's explanation of his veto of a public works bill in 1817, like James Madison didn't believe they should do public works at the federal level. He said it's apparent that one of the arguments Congress used in their desire to use federal funds for roads and boatways. We do that all the time now. They would not do that back in the day. One of their arguments for roads and boatways is that these shovel-ready jobs projects were needed for the general welfare of the nation. You remember the the welfare clause I spoke of earlier? They would use that. They twist that word. That's not the right meaning of that word for the Constitution. They argued that the projects would create jobs, provide a roadway or a boatway system better suited for commerce and the transport of military equipment and personnel and better enable the citizens to freely travel. But to the Congress of 1817, the general welfare of the nation was obviously the rich encouragement they needed to make such such projects happen. They were going to say, hey, that's what the Constitution means. We're supposed to be making things better for folks. Madison disagreed, and he was the president. He said that improving transportation was indeed a great idea, but he then argued that not only did the federal government not have the authority for such an undertaking, but that their definition of the general welfare clause was not in line with the original intent of that clause. He should know he wrote the thing. In Federalist Paper 41, Madison explains that the general welfare was specifically of the republic. It linked, linked to raising revenue and providing for the common defense of the republic and only applies to authorities granted to the federal government by the Constitution. In other words, the general welfare does not grant powers to the federal government, but was a term meant to provide an explanation or describe why the federal government must have the power to tax, pay debts, and provide for the common defense. The end result of providing for the common defense would give people a security to live in peace. That was what they called the general welfare, not getting a welfare check. If it was meant that the general welfare clause was to give the federal government the power to provide, say, entitlements to individuals, which a huge amount of our budget right now is entitlements, right? He said if the, if the general welfare clause was to give the federal government the powers to provide entitlements to individuals, then would it not have instead be, be described as the individual welfare or the specific welfare? The Founding Fathers never intended for the federal government to replace charity. Charity is a voluntary decision. The government transfer of wealth through taxation and entitlement programs is not a voluntary decision. Government entitlement programs are done by force and are used as a tool for re-election. You thought I was going to say redistribution. No, 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 no. It's done for re-election. It's a scam, people. The term general welfare was used at, well, I'm going to skip that part because we're running out of time. Favoring some citizens. Here, I want you to keep the Arts Council in mind. Favoring some citizens over others, as entitlement programs tend to do, generates a dangerous power play that enables elected leaders to trade promised money from the Treasury for votes, as the politicians do with entitled program participants. 
The politicians literally buy their way into power by promising to give people money from the rich, rich taxpayers. The Constitution mentions general welfare because the federal government was to be expected to promote the general welfare, not provide it, right? In other words, that's the environment of the United States, general welfare, not to pay welfare. It's totally ridiculous. Now, to just go back to this. So what the politicians are doing, although they're never going to admit they expect some glad handing out of out of the the uh, they want to put on their brochures when they run for office that they supported the Arts Council. They're supportive of the Arts Council. What's that mean? They gave somebody else's money. They didn't give their own money. They didn't give their own money. And if they did, that's fine. But they have no business giving my money. It's not their money to give. The public funds. You think, oh, yeah, they you elected them so they can spend it however they want. No, they shouldn't. They should provide for the general welfare that they should protect and protect. Not provide for me. I don't need a check from the government. They should uh, create an environment of safe and secure habitual living here. Habitat. And it's a scam that they're out giving to all these various nonprofits, whatever they are. And I would include in that even, I don't know where they give money to like, I'm, I'm totally in favor of like these shooting clubs and where they're teaching kids to be marksmen and all that kind of stuff. I don't think the government should give money to those. We can take care of it all our, our, on our own or donate money to the football team, the high school football team, or some, some little, if somebody's going to little league world series, we shouldn't pay for that. That's all should be done by the general public. The government should not be taking our money. Now I, I'd probably finish up on the backside of this again, we in city of Marysville, we, they take our tax dollars. In fact, they ran out of money and taxed us an extra percent, and they give the money to a baseball team called the Gold Sox. I'll be right back, and we'll talk about that. Can you tell us what you found out about the enemy since you've been here? We found out that we can't find them. They're out there, and we're having a major difficulty in finding the enemy. Well, what do you use to look for them? Well, we ask people, are you the enemy? And whoever says yes, we shoot them. Now, let's move along to uh, the U.S. Salvation Army, not talking about the local branch. And what do they say? Go woke, go broke. Well, in the U.S., uh, some of the Salvation Army's longtime donors are withdrawing their support from the charitable organisation because of its embrace of woke ideology. So, Prue, they essentially want you to hand over your money and also apologise for your white privilege. Um, This is just... uh, incredible stuff. They want you to dismantle white privilege, disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear. I mean, this is just bizarre stuff for a group that relies on the generosity of its donors. What really annoys me is that they're probably 
had some infiltrator from this woke movement. It just takes one person to come in, make people feel uncomfortable and guilty, and they're bullied into accepting this nonsense. And the sad thing is that, as, as you said, most people who donate will just be turned away from the salvos. And they do such wonderful work in the community. I just hope, A, it doesn't come here, and B, that it doesn't affect the salvos here because we we love the salvos. They've always been there at times of need. But when you have this kind of nonsense starting to come into charities with heart and you think, wow, this, this, this society is getting so sick, I despair. Uh, Caro, let me read you a little bit about, you know, what they want people to do. They, they say that they want uh, white Christians to repent and offer, I quote, a sincere apology to blacks for being antagonistic uh, to black people or the culture, values and interests of the black community. I mean, again, this stuff is just so race-obsessed, backward and really unintentionally it's racist. A lot of this anti-racist ideology is at its heart fairly patronising and racist. Yeah, it is, Rita. And look, ultimately, it's a charity. And people do like to um, be generous and give money, but they um, they do it because it makes them feel good. They do it because they feel like they're contributing, that they're helping the lives of others. If you have to uh, donate and be made to feel bad at the same time, well, look, there's plenty of charities out there where you can give them your money and they would be grateful for it. And a, and a lot of people, you know, they, they do like to be generous, but that they don't want to cop a lecture. And often they're asking us to repent for sins that aren't ours. Well, look, as Christians know, Jesus did that for us. The rest of us, we just have to <laughs> repent for our own sins. Excuse me. Gonna need to see your proof of vaccination. Oh, and now we got the new mandate going on. Right. Sorry. I have the um, the app. Oh, Moderna, huh? Heard that one knocks you on your ass. I got the Pfizer. Oh, you're a Pfizer guy. I I hear Moderna's better, but not gonna judge. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the new normal. Have a good one. Have a good one. A vaccine passport. Yeah, but I need proof of at least ten booster shots. Nine, 10, 11. Where's the... Okay, AIDS vaccine passport. I'm gonna need to see an allergy test. Lyme disease. Chicken pox. H1N1. Rabies tag. H1N2. I'm gonna need to see some polio papers. Seriously? Nah, I'm just kidding about that one. Oh. <laughs> but I will need to see a syphilis passport. Oh, of course. H1N3. H1N4, all right, proof of the herpes vaccine. And what about the herpes booster? I literally got it like 10 minutes ago. Let's see it. All right, hand, foot, and mouth disease. H1N5, H1N6, prostate exam. Whooping cough. I'm gonna need your Netflix password. HPV. I actually have HPV. I need proof to show solidarity to the HPV community. I'm gonna need to see your blockbuster card. Tetanus. Negative test for the Black Plague. Tetanus booster? I don't have it. I'll give it to you now. Proof of political party, proof of diversity. Are you serious? We already have two white guys in there, okay? That's our limit. Okay, uh, I'm Jewish. What do you think this is, 2021? You're gonna have to be way more oppressed than that to get in here. You got like a 23andMe test results? Yes, yes. 50% Ashkenazi Jew. 
0.0000027 Native American. Why didn't you just tell me that? You got an anti-racist card? All right, now I just got to check your white guilt score. 9.7, wow, not bad, man. Not bad. Just got to scan you for male toxicity. Okay, quick set of questions. Would you have sex with a trans woman? Yes. Can men have babies? Yes. What are your pronouns? He, him, they, them. Do all lives matter? Yeah, no. Quote from Broad City to prove you can hang with gay people. Um, yes, queen. I'm sorry? Yes. Yeah, that's better. How many statues have you toppled this month? Uh, nine. You support the police? No. Are all Trump supporters racist? Yes. How many abortions have you paid for? Five. I'm gonna need to see your punch card. All right, four more and your 10th one's free. How many people have you canceled this month? 18, 19, including my grandmother. Racist? No, she still likes Louis CK. Even worse. Ever been me too? No. Me three? No. Me four? No. Nope. Me five? No. Nope. Me seven? Um, me sixty nine? Mm -hmm. All right, I'm gonna show you some photos of women holding power jobs. Tell me what word comes to mind. Brave. Brave. So brave. That's not bad. I need proof of a black friend. Okay. How many pronouns are there? Ninety-two thousand six hundred. 27. All right, and finally, I need you to recite the full sexuality acronym. Uh, L G B T Q I A O N M P Z backslash question mark greater than sign less than sign squiggly mark a peace sign at sign hammer and sickle poop emoji and symbol for titanium. All right. Put your mask on and show them your receipt. You know, I actually lost the receipt, so... How are we supposed to give you your laundry if you don't have the receipt? Now, I didn't want to spend as much time on this, but I think it's important. And so in Marysville, so a, a, couple, a few years ago, a city council, they're long gone. They, none of them uh, suffered any negative consequences, but they bankrupted the city through a real estate deal. And so the city then couldn't fund their supposedly their police and fire. And instead of folding that in and coming under the county, they wanted to have their own little police and fire for 3.2 or 3.4 miles. And they spend about a million dollars a square mile for just police. It is totally absurd. I don't have anything against the police. I donated many years of my life to the police and sheriff's departments. I'm all for them, but it's a total waste of money what they're doing. So, um, Anyway, what the city did is they said, we need more money. So we're going to we're going to put a measure on on the uh, ballot and we're going to raise our taxes by one percent. And uh, we're, we need more money because they mismanaged their money. And so the first time they they lost. And so then they got what they do. They got a big business people, the Lanza family, who've been very successful in business here. I'm all for them. Don't have anything against them. I hope they do very well. I hope they even do better next year. But they got, this is typical of what happens. Big business figures out ways to get out of the taxes because they have accountants. They can afford to 
learn all the schemes. They could buy their sales tax stuff somewhere else. But they, but if, if the city does better, their property values go up, right? So the Lanzas funded the city's uh, effort to tax us more. I didn't want to pay more taxes. I pay way too much taxes, right? Back in the day, only one parent had to work and the other parent could stay home. What happened? We're getting taxed to death. Now two parents got to work. And uh, so when they, they put it on again, we got, they passed, they, uh, the city passed it. And so we pay an extra percent here on top of the 7.25 for the, the, we normally pay sales tax in California. And so what, what'd they do? Well, I, I was I thought well they were just lean to the bone right when you're when you're tight on money and you think you're going to go bankrupt man you just like cut all your costs but then I realized that we have this bait this it's not a minor league it's even lower than that but it's fun baseball to watch they built a stadium in town here uh, and they've had a team here for probably twenty years now different teams but I didn't realize that the team wasn't carrying the cost of the baseball field. And paying all their own costs, like repairing the fence, man, you know, repairing the irrigation, re- upgrading the grass, because when the when the stadium was built, it had all brand new seats, brand new fence, brand new, brand new, brand new, right? But everything wears out, right? Like my house. So what happens? I learn that even though we're we, they charge us an extra one percent now, I'm subsidizing this baseball operation. Well, that's ridiculous. A city should not be subsidizing or funding a baseball operation or any kind of sports operation. That should be something that investors get together. And so what happens is, is these wealthy guys come over even from another county that want Marysville to continue to have baseball here in case they want to come. They could go buy a ticket and kick around and watch a game. Well, I don't want to pay for that. And that's the problem in government that these guys decide what's how they're going to be charitable with my money. It's ridiculous and it's wrong. So I think the the uh, there's people protesting right now over this vaccine thing because people are pissed. They don't want to take the vaccine and they don't want to take the uh, the the swab in the nose. And they want to have their freedom to go and come as they please. And what's going on here, it has nothing to do with health. Now, maybe in the the the, uh, the arts council's mind, it may be they have they think oh they're gonna they're they're saving all of our lives. It's a fraud. The health issue with COVID is a fraud, and I I'm I'm not gonna mix up a lot of topics here. I'm just telling you the issue, the real the goal here is to take away our freedom and have government expand to control everything. And that's why you saw schools shut down when kids were immune to COVID. I, I'm not going to talk through all those things again. You can look at, listen to past telecasts. I'm telling you that this isn't about COVID. It's about the vaccine. It's about population reduction. It says it right in the United Nations agenda in 2021 and 2030. They're reducing the population and they're destroying people's immune system with the vaccines. You remember the vaccine was going to solve it all, right? Social distancing. It was going to solve what else? It was going to solve masks. It was going to let kids go back to school, right? 
It was going to let you go back to going to the movies and going, coming and going as you please. Old America, you remember? But as soon as you took one shot, then they said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's two, this one has two shots. Oh, 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 this one's one. This one has two. And then they said, oh, well, you remember? At first, it was like the vaccine will, you, like, you're immune to COVID, dude. When you, when you take this vaccine, you're immune to COVID. Now, remember, the reason you should take it is because it works so well. Now, the reason you should take more is because they don't work so well, right? The message keeps changing. Oh, masks work. Oh, no, now they don't work, right? They don't work. Oh, you had to stay six feet apart. Yeah, but that doesn't really work either, right? Well, actually, you should wash your, your, all your counters all the time, all the time. Wash your hands 10 or 15. Just, it's baloney. The whole thing's baloney. It all was conjured up to get us to take a shot. Shots, plural, right? So that's what this is really all about. And we're just getting into the fight. And every week, every month, it's a new fight. It's a new fight. It's a new twist. It's a new psyop, psychological operation. That's what a psyop is. So that's what's going on. And, and we're protesting. And I, again, I, I wish the Arts Council well. I think they're doing some great work over there. And I think as long as they can fund it, and people will support it. God bless them. I, I hope it's good. God loves art. And they have com- they have uh, complained to the city and around the community. They've screamed bloody murder saying it's a church of glad tidings fault that we're having all this problem uh, with protesters and stuff. And that is a complete lie. And it's a typical liberal when they can't discuss something and have a difference of opinion. They call you racist, bully, uh, loudmouth. And, uh, you know, pushy, right? Like, like glad tidings is, and glad tidings has nothing to do with this whole thing. What happened was these guys that run this operation over there at the art center published on Facebook, their COVID rules. And people started saying, Hey, 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 hey I'm not going to do that. I want to go to the art thing. I want to go to the concert. But I don't want to I don't want to get the shot and I don't want to test. And here's the other deal. You remember back in the day when your medical information was very private? You remember that? You remember when HIV happened and pretty soon they they kept passing all these laws that you couldn't even divulge if a person was HIV and he worked in a restaurant or whatever. You could you couldn't even let anybody know that. That was that was medical privacy. And we had all these what they call HIPAA laws where you could not if you you could not if you worked in the hospital, or you worked some you could not retell what you saw last night. Oh, the mayor came in. He was he was drunk. He ran his car into a tree. That's all HIPAA law protected. And now our whole medical history, we're like showing shot cards. We're like sticking things in people's noses that have ethylene oxide on them, have cancer-causing materials on them, sticking stuff into people's noses left and right. We're forcing them to put a mask on. Tell, we're throwing people off airplanes because they don't have the mask perfect, just like the Arts Council is telling you now what kind of mask. Just You can't put a bandana around your face. Or they got all kinds of masks they're not going for. See? And my feeling is, I should think I think they should be able to do it. I just don't want them to take government money and discriminate. Remember that? Remember discrimination? We weren't supposed to discriminate against people. 
right tolerance. You remember that? We all ought to get along and love one another. Well, all that's kind of gone for the wayside. And, and whether all my friends, a lot of my friends that are in the education system are getting fired. You know what they're getting fired for? Because they won't take the shot and or they don't want to take the test either because they're being corralled like sheep and, and goats and uh, do the walk of shame. Everybody in the school knows their medical stance. They they're, do the walk of shame. They're being labeled like the Jews were labeled as vermin and rats and no good and filthy and the problem of society. The same way that the government entities like Dr. Mingala Lu has labeled people the vaxxers, right? The anti-vaxxers or the uh, no-vaxxers, as those are the, the plague, the people of the plague. They're spreading the plague. And it's just exactly the opposite, my friends. The people that are taking the injections, now we know that the injections are not real vaccines. We don't, they never were touted as real vaccines, but we know, why isn't, what do you expect a vaccine to do? If you take the vaccine, you're not going to get the, the problem, right? These vaccine actually cause you to, to share the problem, COVID, and get more of COVID, and then it defeats your immune system. And do you remember when we used to talk about HIV? the virus HIV that turned into supposedly AIDS and people died of all kinds of funky, you know, when your immune system goes down, like in cancer, like if you get your immune system riddled with chemo and radiation and, and you're real vulnerable, right? And so anything could kill you. And so, uh, essentially what's happening with taking these shots is week by week, the immune system is damaged more and more and more till essentially you're a walking AIDS patient that you have no immune system. And the average little bump in the road, medical bump in the road is going to take you out where you were fine before you were just a healthy 30 year old, 40 year old, 20 year old. All right. So, uh, Liberty first That's Chris Ann Hall. Normally, we refer to Liberty First University. She's a constitutional lawyer, teacher. She says if you compromise everything to keep your job or your business, you've already lost it. Now, a bunch of my young friends that are in their 20s are taking the jab in, in uh, Vietnam. They don't know what freedom's like in Vietnam, these youngsters. And so they don't know how to fight for freedom and because it's a totalitarian government. And the minute you hold up a sign— you disappear. Nobody's packing over there, right? There's nothing to pack, no weapons. So she says she's speaking to Americans here. If you compromise everything to keep your job, or your business, you've already lost it. And then she goes on to say, if you do everything to defend your liberty, your children will inherit freedom, right? You may not have freedom too much. It may be compromised here during the fight. It's just like the founding fathers. They lived most of their life. When we think of founding fathers as guys in their 70s and 80s, a friend of mine just sent me a list of the ages of all the people at a certain date back in the day. A lot of those guys are in their 20s and 30s. <clears throat> but they had to fight for their freedom, and it wasn't too free during the fight. And so... She's saying if you do everything to defend your freedom, your children will inherit freedom, right? What do you want for your kids? 
The reason I honestly, the reason I do this show and the radio show is very simple. It's I thinking of my grandkids who have no idea what's going on right now. They're just playing baseball. They're having a good time and enjoying life, which they should. That's what kids should do. But I'm going to try to do my best and have my influence to prepare a way that just like my dad did when he went to World War II. I'm sure he wasn't happy about joining the Navy and being gone until the war was over. Or my uncle who went in the Army Air Force. And uh, But they did that because they had people they were fighting for. And that's what we're, we're fighting for it now. This is 1776 all over again. Kevin Kiley, who was our, uh, we didn't, we don't get to vote for Kevin Kiley, but he's actually just kind of because our, our, uh, assemblyman is not doing anything up here, James Gallagher, nor is our Senator. Uh, they're kind of lame duck folks and probably going to, James probably going to try to get Lamalfa's spot. I not Lamalfa's spot, but uh, uh, Garamendi's spot down the road, which he'll be ashamed because he doesn't do anything. Kevin Kiley says tourism. I'm I'm getting posts from Kevin Kiley on Facebook, and he's he's writing, he's publishing, he's talking, he's pronouncing, he's declaring all the time. He's talking it up because he's saying things aren't right. Instead of going along to get along. He says tourism is now above pre-COVID levels in Florida. Think about it. It's rebounded to pre-COVID levels in Florida. Why do you think that? Because it's a freest state, one of the two or three freest states in the union. While remaining, uh, our tourism in California is in the toilet. Who would go to San Francisco? Just tell me this. Who would want to go to San Francisco? People prefer freedom and good government, Kylie says, to corruption and ineptitude. And baby, we got corruption and ineptitude from the little cities and towns and hamlets of California right on up to the top of this state. What a mess. What a total mess. Well, uh, I wanted to get about four more minutes here. Let me before I get into this, let me just uh, mention a few people that have really helped me uh, stay on the air here. And one of them is a guy named Ted Holmes, who we promote his, he's got three businesses. The plumbing doctor is the one we usually talk about. And they do all the things you can imagine plumbers that you need a plumber for. And I use them here all the time because I've lived in an old house, but Ted came over. He's also a contractor and does remodels. And I, my fence was needing some help and, so he and I worked together. We've known each other for over 40 years, and we worked together on the fence, rebuilt it. looks very nice, and uh, but we got to kind of just refresh our memories to get together and reminisce uh, while we got to work together for a few days this week. But Plumbing Doctor is a really honest, good people, and you can reach them at 530-671-9111. If you ever need a a floor buffed, like sanded down or the, all the stuff taken off your floor. They have a business also lift off floor removal where they take up, take the tile, take the carpet, take whatever's on there. And if you want that smooth, <clears throat> polished look, <clears throat> they can do that. It makes it look really cool. But any of those businesses, you could probably reach out through 530-671-9111. Plumbing Doctors you, primarily works in Yuba-Sutter counties. And liftoff floor will travel a lot of places all over Northern California. 
and then Ted Ted Holmes Construction. He does all kinds of remodels and uh, good good people do a good job. And the other uh, one I'll mention here, we got a couple of minutes left. Is uh, I had a friend uh, stop by. They listened to the show and they went by North Valley Paralegal and got some help from Nellie Garcia. And uh, so that was cool to hear because I knew them both and and so they connected and got some. Uh, uh, an exemption letter or exemption document written for COVID stuff. So if you need some help of any type of legal work, North Valley Paralegal, 751 Sutter Street, down in Yuba City. And you can reach them at 530-751-9289. And they're going to be easier to deal with than an attorney, a lot cheaper, faster. And uh, whatever they can do for you, they'll they'll do and get, keep you out of the attorney ranks. And I wanted also to mention uh, All Power Services. That's two guys, Will Fanning and James, uh, Josh James. And uh, they any kind of power equipment you have, they'll fix it and they'll get it done quick. None of this stuff where you leave it there and it, you know, it gains has a birthday by the time you leave it there. But they do all kinds of power tools: chainsaws, mowers, weed eaters, tractors, uh, mo- motorcycles. They'll they'll service equipment. They also do some custom uh, fabricating. They are master welders. So you can reach them at 530-844-0347. They're on uh, Stewart Road, just west of Highway 99, just south of Yuba City. You can reach them uh, by email at allpower1469. That's their address, 1469 at, e- at com. But uh, they'll get it on, get it done. I've I've had a lot of friends that they've done work for. In fact, uh, Will came out and helped me remodel a skate park and work on the steel fence and weld some new spokes or rungs on it and uh, straighten some out where skaters had flown into the fence and bent the bars. And we slicked it all up so we could uh, strengthen the fence so it wouldn't be so wobbly where it was kind of getting tired. And just boom, just fixed all that, and we were able to paint it and get it all looking nice, and it's a huge, huge deal. So we'll be right back. We're halfway through the show tonight, and uh, uh, just give me a minute, and you listen to the clips, and I'll swig me some tea, and we'll be right back. very simple, Pete, right? You just have to look at Africa. They didn't have the death rates from COVID that were predicted. And what is happening over time is that the entire response to COVID and everything that we were told about it from the beginning is being exposed and it's falling apart. The lies are coming apart. And really now there's no justification for putting people out of their jobs or forcing vaccine mandates for a disease that ultimately is very treatable. It's cheap to treat. 
medicines are available all over the world, and it has death rates that compare very much to seasonal flu. And so in that moment, what you see on Dr. Fauci, this is what people say to me, that he doesn't represent science to them. He represents Joseph Mengele, Dr. Joseph Mengele, uh, the, doc, the Nazi doctor who did experiments on Jews during the Second World War and in the concentration camps. And I am talking about people all across the world are saying this, because the response from COVID, what it has done to countries everywhere, what it has done to civil liberties, the suicide rates, the poverty, it has obliterated economies. The level of suffering that has been created because of this disease is now being seen in the cold light of day, i.e. the truth. And people see that there's no justification for what is being done. So as they're being exposed and the control is slipping away, lo and behold, another variant surfaces. And nobody should be surprised by that because there will be more variants until the end of time. We'll never mm -hmm. be free of them. I would just like to first start out asking you, how do you do your job? I mean, you get so much hate, so much backlash. I mean, I personally, I, I personally love you. <laughs> I do. I, I, I love you. I really love you. Like I would, I would leave my husband for you. Yep, sorry, shouldn't, shouldn't say that. But, but seriously, um, back to the question: How do you do your job? I think number one, you gotta love your job. I, uh, I love what I do. I, I love controlling people. I love being in this spotlight, having people look to me and say, what do we do? And, and I decide everything. I mean, there's only one doctor in the world and it's me. It's me. Um, and the people don't, that don't like it, the people that have a problem with me, uh, they need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with. I honestly, I, I have no idea how anyone, anyone could speak out against you. When the Ted Cruz's and the Rand Paul's, they speak out against me. When anyone speaks out against me, they are speaking out against science. When I think of you, I think of science. I represent science. I am science. Science did not exist. It, it, it was nothing until I came. I came onto this planet, Earth, and I brought science with me. I am science. Yes, and what people don't understand is that sometimes science requires people to lose their individual freedom. It's just, it's science. And sometimes science requires people to be injected with things they don't want because you say they should be. I mean, you are science, right? And, and sometimes science says that uh, we should brutally mutilate animals uh, for the cause of science, you know? You're talking about the dogs. You talking about the dogs. I, uh, I hate dogs. I hate them. Oh, I do not like them either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so when is this pandemic going to end? As anyone who works in PR or marketing will know, you need to keep your story fresh and relevant and keep giving it new talking points. Well, the same with COVID, you know, to start with, there was lockdowns, then there was variants, then there was vaccinations and boosters and people dying after this. And there was always a new news story. And now it's the Botswana super ninja mutant variant that's just come into play. And what you're trying to do is create a kind of whole narrative arc, a whole 
theatre production, if you will, around this new, fresh angle to your story, so that you've got the Botswana variant, Botswana. You know, Delta sounded a bit like, oh, fertile Delta, place where you can grow stuff. Delta, oh, rivers, nutrients. Botswana sounds jungle, sounds mysterious, sounds, oh, the sort of place where, you know, there might be diseases lurking. Hmm, scary. Then you've got people drawing graphics of what this mutant ninja variant might look like with special spiky bits, even though no one actually knows what it looks like. These are just graphic configuration. So you've got a visual to hang on to as well. Then you need to do some policy items to reinforce the drama that you're putting on. And those items now would be creating a red list. Let's remember that a red list is an invention. Traffic lights are actually a system for controlling traffic. They were never designed to colour in countries. But this, let's put it on the red list. And now we're going to ban flights from Botswana and six different other states. So you've created a sort of policy narrative to go alongside the visual and the pictures that you've made and the scary sounding words, Botswana, the jungle, mosquitoes, who knows? Now all you need is something that makes you sound like you technically know what you're doing. So now we have the B11529. Mm, we've given a numerical reference code that makes you sound kind of scientific, like you have qualitative and quantitative statistical backup and you are definitely following the science because it's called B11529, like one might have a code or a reference number. That's how this shit works. It's straight out of the PR Marketing Playbook 101. And in order to keep up interest, in order to drive the next push behind an action they're going to require of you, they needed to create the drama and the performance to draw you in as their ready and willing audience. The question is, are you still going to keep buying your tickets, taking your seats and listening politely to the nonsense that you're being fed. Then you get on the plane. Pilot, of course, always has to come on the PA system. This guy's so excited about being a pilot, he can't even stand himself. <laughs> well, I'm gonna take it up to about 20,000. Then I'm gonna make a left by Pittsburgh. Then I'm gonna make a right by Chicago. Then I'm gonna bring it down to 15,000. Know, giving you the whole route, all his moves. We're in the back going, yeah, fine, that's all. <laughs> You know, just do whatever the hell you got to do. I don't know. Just end up where it says on the ticket, really, is our only concern. Do I bother him with what I'm doing, knocking on the cockpit door? I'm having the peanuts now. Yeah, that's what we're doing back here. So I keep you posted. I'm not gonna have them all now, I'm just gonna have a few. I don't wanna finish it because it's such a big bag. <laughs> then the stewardesses have to come out, they have to do their little emergency equipment show, you know that thing they do, one of them reads it, the other one acts it out. Hey, we have seat belts and oxygen masks, things for you to use. They show you how to use a seatbelt in case you haven't been in a car since 1965. 
Oh, you lift up on the buckle. Oh. I was trying to break the metal apart. I thought that's how it works. I was going to try and tear the fabric part of the belt. I thought if I could just get it started. Then they always point out the emergency eggs. It's always with that very vague point, though, isn't it? Where the, where the hell would these places be, would you say? Planes at a 90-degree angle, your hair is on fire, you're looking for this. How do you think you're going to do there? She's thinking, I'm getting out before you're getting out. You're dead, you're dead, I'm gone. Then they always have to close that first-class curtain, too. And they always give you that little look. Maybe if you had worked a little harder. I wouldn't have to do this. It's a whole tiny world on the airplane, isn't it? There's always that little tiny table there, a tiny computer, everyone's in a little cramped seat, tiny food, tiny utensils, tiny liquor bottles, tiny bathroom, tiny sink, tiny mirror, tiny faucet. So it's a small problem, gonna be a slight delay, we're gonna be a little late. <laughs> I always go in the airplane bathroom. Even if I don't have to go, I gotta go in there. It's nice, it's like your own little apartment on the plane, isn't it? <laughs> go in there, lock the door, the light comes on after a second. It's like a little surprise party. But I'm always impressed with the amount of equipment that they have in that place. I mean, it's little, but they got the tissues, towels, closets, compartments, tiny slot for used razor blades. They always have that. Who is shaving on the plane? Welcome back for our fourth segment. I wanted to mention I met a couple, that young couple who's had some problems, marriage struggles, and and uh, got crossways with Child Protective Services in Sutter County. And um, so they were referred to me. I'm not an attorney, but I've, I've just been around here for years and helped people get out of jams before. Again, not from a legal point of view, but uh, just help you know, satisfy the government, make people have, well, they had a drug drug habit and they were trying to get into rehab and get their kids back or whatever. So anyway, this couple came to me and, and I don't know all the, all about it. And, you know, if you know anything about situations with children, the, if you talk to try to intercede, intervene or intercede for the family, um, with the government, they won't, they'll say, Hey, we can't talk to you about it because it's confidential, right? It's because kids, so there's, I mean, there's ways around it, but that's usually the deal. You get a, a stone wall. I, I don't mean that negative. I'm just telling you what it is. 
So they said, Lou, can you help us? And and I said, you know, after listening to it, I said, you know, you guys really need to get an attorney as opposed to a public defender because in the United States court system, we call them public pretenders. And some are better than others, of course, but uh, in the United States court system, really, you never do really have an advocate because the Bar Association, everybody is on the other team, including your attorney. But hiring a private attorney helps, and uh, they didn't have any money. And so I said, why don't you do a GoFundMe or some type of deal like that and see if you can raise some money or do some fundraisers. And they said, well, we did one, but the Sutter County government told us we had to take our GoFundMe thing down. So I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're trying to take these kids away permanently from these parents, and yet you're telling them they can't go out and raise money to pay for an attorney that they feel will work harder for them. So I just said, you know, guys, it's last down long yardage. Go raise some money and hire an attorney and don't hire one from here. Get one from out of town. So they said, Lou, we're going to hire an attorney. I, we, we got some money from a relative and, but we need to raise some money. So I'm going to give you a GoFundMe account. If you've ever had any trouble with government, where they thought you were treated unfairly. And I mean, there's times when I think the government needed to step in and yank a knot in some parents' tail and get everybody behaving. There's other times when I felt that the government just ran roughshod. I, I've had it. I've had judges bend over backwards to help addicts and help me help addicts. And I could, if you ever want to know who they are, you can call me. I'll tell you. Uh, ben Worshafter is one of them. I think, uh, what's her name? Uh, Givens is another over in Yuba County. They're, they're judges. I think they bend over backwards to help people. They're very compassionate people. Even when it's t- tough, tough situation. And it, anyway, I, I don't want to get off sideways here on this because I got other things to talk about. But I, so she said that, so the mother of these kids said, Hey, will you, will you mention my, uh, GoFundMe case? And, and I said, no problem. So, you know, some people may say, well, Lou, you don't even know what went on in this whole case. You know, that's what the government would say to me. You don't even know what you're talking about, Lou. Well, here's what I know what I'm talking about. Everybody in the United States of America has a right uh, a right to a, a zealous defense, a zealous argument, a zealous advocacy. I, I do not have a lot of sympathy, although I know there are a lot of broken people out there, but if people walk away from a family or a children because they're addicted, I get it. And and I I've never been addicted that bad. But I've used and I, I so but the but these kids I call them kids are in their twenties. Everybody has a right to a zealous advocacy. And if they want to hire that and scrape together some money, God bless them. That's what I feel. If the government overrules it and says, we're taking your kids, hey, I, I, I'm, God needs to step in, right? It's like, it's out of my, it, that, I, that's not my lane. So I'm going to give you a GoFundMe account. If you've ever, I, in fact, I, I talked to, I, lately I've been getting a lot of calls with people trying to sort custody issues out with kids and, and because uh, we offer help on the show, we just say, hey, call me up. I'll, I'll help you, you know. And so I'm getting some calls. So 
If you've had or have a problem with government, you want to give $5 or $10 towards this family to see if they can keep their family together because they, from their story, they're doing everything. You, you know how it is? The government says, okay, we're not approving of the way your family's going, so we want you to take an anger management class or we want you to take a parenting class and you, we're going to test you. If you've got a drug problem, we're going to test you and or you need to take outpatient drugs. And I've seen some people do a lot of cool things and get all straightened out, and now they're they're wonderful. So if if you've ever had that happen and you, you have compassion for this lady, I'm going to give you this GoFundMe, and uh, she the title of it's legally kidnapped, but it's GoFund all one word dot me, GoFund dot me backslash b seven three three. C359. I'll give it to you one more time. So it says GoFund, that's one word, dot or period me, M-E, backslash B, 733C359. That should come up to a little kid standing with a, like a painted hand on a wall, says legally kidnapped. It says help get our children out of the system. Organized by Cassandra Metz, M-E-T-Z. So anyway, if you want to help her, good. And I uh, wish them well. I wish all the kids well and uh, the parents well. And I've met some gnarly. I've had the social services people in this community cite me, write me a citation, turn me into the government. I had to get me an attorney. And it wasn't even about my kids. <laughs> I had to defend myself. All right. So I, I uh, know when I know plenty of social workers that needed to be jack slapped and put in their place big time, treading all kinds of over people's rights. So that's why we need due process, right? Whether it's a guy that murders somebody or whether a guy didn't do anything and he's being accused of something, everybody gets due process supposedly in our country. And so I hope these kids can get due process and, We'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Uh, okay, let me see where I am here. I wanted to mention that uh, this in just a couple days, one of the most significant things that ever happened in this country is happening, at the date, and that's December 7, 1941, when the Japanese attacked uh, throughout the Pacific, including what we usually think of it is they attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. But they didn't just attack us. They, on the same time, they attacked Guam. They talked, attacked Hong Kong. Um, they attacked the Philippines. They, they hit all over the place. And so uh, it was a huge deal. And uh, I'm going to tie something into this. It says the attack on Pearl Harbor was a surprise military strike by the Imperial Japanese Navy Air Service upon the United States against the naval base at Pearl Harbor in Honolulu. Uh, just before, at that time, it wasn't even a state. It was called the Territory of Hawaii. And a, they struck on a Sunday morning. Uh, some people say, uh, I think it was Admiral Nibbet said that was a, a miracle that they chose Sunday morning to attack when a lot of people were away at church. And so it, it minimized how many people actually got killed in it. The United States was a neutral country at the time, but there was stress between us and Japan for decades. And that's a story for another time. The attack led to formal entry. Uh, Japan then declared war on us. Germany and Italy de declared war on us. 
So uh, Japan was trying to break our, uh, it was a preventive action to prevent the United States Pacific Fleet stationed there from interfering with its planned military actions in Southeast Asia uh, against the United Kingdom and the Netherlands. And uh, over the course of seven hours, there were coordinated Japanese attacks on, as I mentioned, on these various places, including Wake Island, Malaya, Malaysia, uh, Singapore. Uh, so there were 353 Imperial Japanese aircraft, dive bombers, torpedo bombers. There was m- many submarines, M-I-N-I, not many, but little ones. Uh, so... 2,403 Americans were killed and 1,178 others were wounded. Uh, And I won't go into how many ships went down and this, that, and the other thing. But I just wanted to give you a sense uh, of what was going on. So it's it's sort of when we talk about this, we always talk about it out of context because there was a lot of diplomacy and there was a lot of... uh, gnarliness going on between Japan and the United States for quite a while leading up to this. But normally they would, instead of saying, Hey, our, our, uh, our discussions have broken down. This is our line in the sand and we're going to attack you if you do this. Right. But they didn't do that. They did a surprise hit. Now, do you have that number in mind? Uh, a couple thousand killed, right? Uh, let me see if I can quote you. Let me see if I... 2,403. Got it in your mind? Dead. 1,178 others wounded. So then you would go up to... So that was on our... We call that on our shores, right? Even though it was not a... It was a property... The property of Hawaii, which is a part of the country, the United States, but not really a state, right? So then we come up to, you know, the, during World War II and the Korean War, the Vietnam War, any of the conflicts, we never had a problem on our own homeland until the 9-11-2001, September 11, 2001, the terrorism, right? And so that resulted in 2,977 deaths and 25,000 injuries, the attack on New York, really surpassed uh, December 7th, right? Of course, that was just one incident, but this was one incident, too, at 9-11. Uh, so Vietnam, of course, we lost a lot of people there and in Korea, but they were fights on elsewhere. We're just comparing homeland, right? So the other thing I want to say to you is that what's going on right now with COVID is bioterrorism. And it is bioterrorism instigated by people from our own country against us that are in league with people that are international people like Klaus Schwab, George Soros, all these kind of people that really Bill Gates, who's a traitor uh, and literally millions of people are going to be dying. So when we think of the day of infamy as President Roosevelt said, this is a day of infamy, the surprise attack. And it was a day of infamy uh, when the uh, Muslim terrorists attacked the Twin Towers. But what's going on right now with the psychological operation, the confusion, the manipulation, the, the crashing our finances, crashing our businesses, the ultimate goal is to take away all small business. I could go on and on and on. 
It's to break the back of freedom in America as we know it and have everybody managed like robots. There'll be robots and there'll be human robots. And you'll have chemicals in your system that they'll be able to manage you by. So when they, when you've heard terms like graphene oxide is one of the funky things in the shots you're getting, though they can find you with that. So I, I just tie these two things together with what's going on right now. There are thousands dying every single day, but they're not publicizing it like they, they did COVID, uh, that you know getting people getting covid although they weren't sick they would say oh they tested positive for covid but they said don't feel a thing i don't know why i test positive and the the tests were mostly wrong but they wanted to make it look like it was a catastrophe and it was very fatal and it was very contagious and it was all very wrong very a lie it was a nothing burger that they did a media hysteria uh environmental blitz a media blitz and scared the hell out of people and they're still scared many people are still scared so uh anyway i wanted to leave that with you and the other thing i wanted to read something about one of the uh, heroes of vietnam war a guy named dr hal kushner uh, served with the first squadron ninth u.s cavalry first air cavalry division in vietnam he was captured uh in 1967 just west of Tam Ki, the Viet Cong returned him home six years later. Can you imagine? He had he had three kids. For six years, his wife remained faithful to him, and those children grew up, and they didn't have their dad. Six years later, he came home in a prisoner exchange. He remained in the Army until 1986 when he retired at the rank of colonel. Quote, we prisoners endured unspeakable horror, brutality, deprivation, and saw and experienced things no human should ever witness. Our mortality rate was about 60%. I cradled 20 dying men in my arms as they breathed their last and spoke of home and family. Then we buried them in crude graves marked with stones and bamboo and utilized them with words of sunshine and hope, country and family. The eulogies were for the survivors, of course. They always are. At my release in Hanoi six years later, I was shocked by the hair and dress of the reporters. Once home, I saw television and movies with frank profanity and sex. When I first deployed, Lucy and Desi slept in twin beds. I left Ozzie and Harriet and returned to taxi driver. What happened to my country? What did we suffer and why did we suffer and sacrifice? When my helicopter crashed in 1967, I collided with one planet and returned to another. The Vietnam War, which is about one-fifth of the casualties of World War II, but it lasted three times as long, had changed the country as much as the greatest cataclysm in world history. It had changed forever the way we think of government and ourselves. The country had lost its innocence and, for a time, its confidence. This war, which had such a great impact on my life, is a dim memory to me today. There are over 58,000 names on that wall, and it rates but a few pages in a high school history textbook. Written by Hal Kushner, uh, Hanoi Hilton survivor. I was uh, I visited the Hanoi Hilton a number of times. They tore down most of the prison right in the center of Hanoi. It is a museum now. 
they've done a pretty nice job of preserving the cells, and they actually have uh, models of humans in there. I don't know what they're made of, whether they're bronze or something, but when you walk in the cell area, they're actually human beings chained inside, uh, or, you know, images of humans, uh, statues of some sort. Shows tortured areas. It shows photos and books of all the people that came that came and went from there. All the the Americans and Westerners that that stayed there. They they call it the Hanoi Hilton. Now right next door there. I don't remember whether it is a Hilton or whether it's a nice hotel. It's a nice hotel, but but so they've just kept this corner of this big building. And it's uh, if you ever get to go to Vietnam, North Vietnam, make sure to go to the Hanoi Hilton. You'll actually see pictures of Hal Kushner. And uh, many other uh, people that that suffered and and survived and suffered and died. So uh, it's it's worth the trip. And uh, to be, it's one thing to be in the Navy or the Air Force and during wartime, and you're you're busy doing things for four four or five years, right? It's another thing to be incarcerated and be uh, tortured, uh, starved, and uh, sick and broken. A lot of them had broken bones, and uh, it's that's another thing. And uh, so I can't imagine six years. And and when I cut this article out, cut and pasted it, there was a photo of Kushner from behind him, with his children running towards him, two boys and a girl. I mean, two bo- uh, two girls and a boy, and his wife behind, and uh, pretty pretty powerful. Uh, pretty powerful i have no no idea and i i don't know whether hal kushner is actually uh he must be if he was there in 67 he was probably he's probably pushing 80 years old 75 80 years old by now so maybe he's still alive but uh anyway uh let me see if i can mention somebody here really quick i want to mention uh another company that's been a great help to us during the last 12 months the last six months particularly and that that is a, another plumbing company thrifty rooter who i see all over town they've been here over 40 years uh, you can reach them at thrifty rooter.net r-o-o-t-e-r thrifty rooter.net they're located right down on bridge street in yuba city they do all the typical plumbing work as in addition to they also have the big pumper trucks that can come and uh, pump out your septic system if it somehow gets blocked up and, and need you need a little help. So you can go on their website, thriftyrooter.net, and you can order your services right there. and Or you could call them up old school at 530-673-8201. They, they're, actually, they're looking for workers, too. Every place I go, I, I've been eating in some restaurants lately, and uh, everybody everywhere I go, there's help wanted, help wanted. So, man, plumbing is a great uh, field. It's well-paid. Uh, it's good work, and there's people always need your labor. So uh, give 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 uh, Thrifty Rooter a, a shout-out, and uh, they'll, they'll fix you and get you back up going. Okay? We're going to uh, take another break, and we'll do our fifth segment. Okay.
There was a time when China had a one-child policy. It started in the late 1970s. The idea was to reduce the growth of Chinese population. The policy turned out to be a disaster. It left China with a population that's old and shrinking. In 2015, China relaxed its one-child policy. It allowed couples to have two kids. How generous. China's state-owned news agency Xinhua said the change of policy is intended to balance population development and address the challenge of an aging population. What China did not realize is that after decades of one-child policy, it was also left with a skewed population. In other words, a gender imbalance, the biggest in the world. Numbers worsened with high levels of female child mortality. China ended up with what was called missing females. Between 1980 and 2010, male children outnumbered female children by 36 million. Today, China has the world's most unbalanced sex ratio. For every 114 males, there are 100 females. Globally, the average sex ratio at birth is about 105 boys for every 100 girls. In China, there are 30 million more men, 3-0 million. These men are now having trouble finding wives, especially in rural areas. That's because men in rural areas are less educated and underemployed. So they end up as less desirable suitors. And this is interesting. Listen to this. Men in rural areas of Shangxi, Henan and Hunan are reportedly having to offer as much as $155,000 when asking for a woman's hand in marriage. That's dowry 2.0. Dark humor aside, in 2020, the Global Times published an article. It said the squeeze would become worse in 20 to 30 years. The problem is real. What is China planning to do about it? One NGO in China has proposed playing Cupid. It's called the Shangxi Think Tank Development Association, and it says leftover urban women. That's what it calls them. Leftover urban women should be paired with surplus rural men. Who are these so-called leftover women? Women above the age of 27 who are unmarried, highly, highly educated and urban. If you fall in this category in China, you will be called Sheng Nu or leftover women. China will also totally disregard your choice to remain unmarried or marry at a later age. This Chinese NGO now has marriage proposals for these women. It also has some advice. Do not feel afraid to go and live in rural areas, it says. The NGO also has proposals for the Chinese government. Number one, offer incentives to encourage urban women to move to rural areas. And number two, provide vocational training to Shengnan or leftover men, surplus men as they're called, you know, to make them better suitors. And I'm not making any of this up. And I know how atrocious all of this sounds. Well, China has seen worse, to be fair. Women have been trafficking from northern Myanmar into China. Women have been trafficked. Reports say these women were sold for anything between $3,000 to $13,000 to Chinese families. Once bought, these women were held as prisoners and pressured into producing babies. Another scandal came to light in 2019. Brides from Pakistan were being trafficked into China. The Associated Press claimed that at least 629 women were sold to Chinese men. They were abused, raped, the Chinese foreign ministry said it was unaware of any of it. It said the two governments, the ones of China and Pakistan, support the formation of happy families between their people on a voluntary basis in keeping with the laws and regulations.
Disregard for consent can never be the answer to bridging the gender imbalance. So the question remains, what can China do about its skewed sex ratio? One article published in Human Rights Watch has proposed polyandry. It asks whether multiple husbands can solve China's gender imbalance. We leave that with China to decide. Their whole purpose throughout history has been to teach a small number of people how to become adept at controlling everyone else. Their goal is to destroy all existing religions, save theirs, all existing governments, save theirs, and shackle the mob in a system of eternal oppressive debt chained to a computer for the rest of their life in a propagandized world to make them believe that they are happy in this system. Now, do you think they're succeeding? Yes. Haven't I described to you just now exactly what is going on in the world today? Yes, they're succeeding. They're succeeding because the American people don't understand their enemy. They don't even know what's happening. There's a method to their madness. There's really not much method to yours because you're operating from a place of ignorance. And until you change that, you're going to be bumbling around, bumping into each other, saying and doing the wrong things, not understanding the nature of your en enemy. And if you don't understand the nature of your enemy and the weapons they use, you cannot fight that enemy. You can't fight the battle. You shouldn't even be on the battlefield. That's why you're losing the war. And don't tell me you're not, because I'm in a place of great knowledge about who's winning and who's losing this war. And I can assure you, you're losing the war. This country was founded by dangerous men. Amen. And the moment the people in this country cease to be dangerous men, it's going to be the day we cease to have a country. And I'm going to tell you right now, unless we can be successful in creating a real free press where the American people get different viewpoints other than those expressed in the establishment-controlled media, there's going to be a civil war in this country, and it's going to come soon. The only thing that can stop it is by waking up vast amounts of sleeping people. Sheeple is what they are. They are following the Judas goat right into the shearing pens, and from there they will go to the slaughter. And they will not know that anything is wrong until they smell the blood of the sheeple in front of them. We need you to stay in your home for a couple weeks. It's for the greater good. We need you to close your business just for a short time. It's for the greater good. We need you to stay home just a little bit longer than two weeks. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear this on your face. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear two of these on your face. It's for the greater good. We need you to inject this into your body. It's for the greater good. We need you to spend the holidays alone. It's for the greater good. You must inject this into your body if you want to feed your family. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop eating that. It's not good for the environment. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop driving your car and flying. It's for the greater good. 
We need you to stop heating your home so often. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop saying that. It's hurting some people's feelings. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop having children. It's not good for the planet. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop talking about your faith. It's offending people. This is for the greater good. We need to separate you from your children because you're not complying. This is for the greater good. We need to hold you in a facility for a little while for not cooperating. This is for the greater good. 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 Somewhere over the rainbow, way up there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. All right, we're in our fifth segment, and... Uh... Thanks for hanging with us. If you just uh, still with us from the first, um, I want to talk uh, about. I'm going to play a clip here in a minute of a mortician. Uh, one of the things that <clears throat> I, I, because of my work with trauma intervention up until May of this last year, <clears throat> I worked with them for 27 years. So I had a good relationship with all the morticians in the two counties. There's uh, five or six mortuaries in the two county area. And, uh, so you get to know folks and to chit chat. So when COVID started, I realized that there was some funny business going on with the mortician uh, field. And I knew that the, the health officer in this case, Dr. Uh, Mingla Lu uh, was uh, telling people to change the death certificates and doctors uh, were being asked to change death certificates, their determination of the cause of death and call everything COVID and uh, it was just a fraud. It's just a complete, you know, the United States used to use, I used to think it was honest, but I don't believe anybody anymore. <laughs> just like everybody's liars. And uh, so one of the, I was asking one of the morticians, one of the more, you know, they're all reputable groups here in our area. They are, but really nice mortuary. And, and I was, Hey, how's it going today? Chit chat. And he said, Oh, it's, kind of a bummer he's he's getting calls to change the death certificates to say covid just a total fraud so uh i'm going to uh, uh play a clip here um that's a little over six minutes and it's an interview with a mortician uh that talks about a huge number of dead babies as a result of women uh, taking the shot the babies didn't take the shot the woman took the shot and the babies died. So um, we're going to listen to that right now. My name is Wesley. I've been a funeral director for over three years. Um, so I have a bit of knowledge about what was going on before this pandemic started and what's going on right now. So there was a spike back in March, April last year. And after that, it considerably calmed down um, it was all hyped from what I was seeing um, and they shut down these extra storage units that they had in the summer and they never opened them up again did they use them in the first place yes but I don't think I, I couldn't tell you how many bodies were in there but um, they soon went back down 
they were only up for a couple of months. So um, the only time you saw a spike was right at the start of this whole thing, and since there's been next to nothing. Well, come um, autumn, it was probably one of the quietest on record, and other funeral directors will tell you that where they can speak out. Um, but come January, the numbers were going through the roof. But this time, the extra storage units were hidden, they were out of the way. And that's since people were being vaccinated. So this year, as the vaccinations have gone on, I've seen trends through the age groups. Obviously, it's not marked down that they're vaccinated, but to have the most funerals that, you're ever got, that you've ever done in two weeks, um, and they're all aged 30, 40, no older. And that's what you're seeing now? That's what I saw earlier in the year, when that age group got vaccinated. And what sort of proportion was that compared to the proportions that you usually deal with? Well, you usually deal with all different age groups, but as I was saying, that the, the elderly that were probably going to go in the next year or year and a half or whatever, they've already gone. So there's a big gap there. So we weren't having those deaths anymore. Um, and with younger people, they're now vaccinated, and I had about 12 in one go. And how many would you usually get in? Oh, very few, very few. But I mean, we've had high um, suicide rates, especially in young men. Then that was mainly last summer into the autumn. But could you give people a sense of proportion? You got 12 in a short space of time. How many would you get in that space of time? One or maybe like a 50% chance? We normally have about four or five funerals going, not 12, 11, 12, and not all of that age group. There would be old people in there. So, um, and then now, what? It's quiet, and what I've seen is a lot of newborn babies in the in the fridges in the mortuaries. So, do you want to talk about the number of newborn babies that you've seen in the mortuaries? Oh, they're they're, they're really high. They're up at about thirty in one hospital. And how many would they usually have? They have fridges that will hold about six to ten maximum, um, and they're never normally full. But now, they're all in the adult section. So there's about maybe ten times the rate that yeah, they would yeah. usually have. Yeah, and obviously there are either miscarried or um, full-term births, stillbirths, but not a lot's been said about it. Wow. And. What else have you seen? Have you have you seen another sort of uptake in deaths in younger people recently? Not in people under twenty, um, and not in their twenties really. But above that, yes. Earlier in the summer, when they all first went out and got vaxxed. But you see, what's going to happen is you're going to get the ones that are that um, that it triggers something in them, or that they haven't got very good health that they maybe don't know about so they will go first and then down the line we're probably going to see a lot more and what have you seen being put down on the death certificates um, there's a lot of myocarditis um, myocardial infractions um, you know it's all blood heart based pneumonia but covid we i've only had one this year one COVID death written down since January. Out of how many? I can't tell you how many we've done, but 
if, if you're saying there's a pandemic going on there should be more than that but it's like they don't they're not that bothered about anymore they can just twist their figures and do whatever is that so would that be hundreds that you do in a year or maybe a hundred yeah yeah but you see last year they were marking anybody and everybody down with it they you would have um they died of other things they were testing them and they were marking them down as covid but now since the vaccination has been going they're not doing that so do you think it's because they feel confident that these uh, injections are working on people that they're not putting yeah, people yeah, down? Yeah, they're just scaring people on the TV. So it's a psychological thing? Yeah, yeah. get your vaccination. And what they're going to do now, I don't know, when, when more and more people start dying of this vaccination. I mean, you've had the initial reactions, but what's going to happen down the line? And so... Can I ask, in terms of them last year marking people down as COVID deaths, um, how many, what, what sort of proportion do you think were falsely attributed? Oh, a high proportion, because they were testing everybody. So if you tested positive and the, that wasn't anything to do with it, I mean, I had one person really upset about it. Um, the person was dying of something else. I think it was cancer at the time. And they marked it down as a COVID death she'd never had COVID, but tested positive. All right. So uh, that mortician who took an incredible uh, risk, and he probably lost his job over that, uh, giving this blow-by-blow blow of the, the sad and tragic loss of uh, children that is going on with the forcing of these vac vaccinations on... Uh, on women. In fact, I just I've seen uh, article after article. In fact, it in the actual vaccine uh, disclaimers, it says, or the shot disclaimers, it says that women that are pregnant should not take the shot, and uh, that it causes problems. But I'm going to. Uh, this is a uh, recent article uh, from a Japanese doctor that's a Canadian. And uh, he's sounding, the, the title says, Doctor Sounds the Alarm, Stillbirths Explode in Canada. So in Waterloo, Ontario, uh, 86, now, you know, my, my work here for years with uh, trauma intervention stuff, we would have occasional child death, right? Very few in the area, even if it could be SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, or occasionally it's an accident where the parent, they, they, the, uh, the child smothers in bed with them or something. But stillbirths, not a great number, okay? So in Waterloo, Ontario, I don't know how many people live there, but it says 86 cases, stillbirths, 86 cases at, at this hospital have been reported in six months. Six months. So the, the, the key is here, that even if you don't know the number of people that live there, how many did they have last year, right? Last, typically, it's five to six stillbirths a year in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Right now, they're 86 in just half the time, okay? Um, so he goes on. The doctor's name is Daniel Nagase, N-A-G-A-S-E. He says, stillbirths in fully vaccinated women are exploding in Canada. It isn't stillbirths. In non-vaccinated, it's still bursts in fully. That's what the article says. He's being interviewed. For example, in Waterloo, 
86 cases have been reported in six months compared to typically five or six per year, according to Dr. Nagase. He said that is highly unusual. At Lionsgate Hospital, at a different hospital, different location, Vancouver, British Columbia versus Waterloo, Ontario, there's been 13 stillbirths uh, recorded, not in six months, in 24 hours. Is that getting your attention? 13 stillbirths. Now, Vancouver's a big city, right? But 13 stillbirths, not 13 births in 24 hours. 13 stillbirths in 24 hours, reported uh, a doctor there. Until recently, Dr. Nagase worked at an Alberta hospital, but said he was fired after treating three COVID patients with ivermectin at the Rembe Hospital and Care Center. Uh, let me go on down here and see if there's any more. So Vancouver uh, Coastal Health dismisses stillbirth claims as rumors and disinformation. I just got a, a text from the protest in front of the event at the Arts Council and said one of the city council members who used to be CHP captain, and I used to work together with him on, on crash sites, and he mocked the Freedom Co. website as being biased, and he wouldn't, he wasn't willing to even look at the evidence at Freedom Co. You know, it's interesting to me. You would think that a CHP officer or a sheriff's deputy, a seasoned, particularly a veteran, would be. I, I always, you know, if they walk into a situation, and they try to figure out why a person died. You would figure out they would have an open mind. And look at all the possibilities. But it's interesting to me how many city council people who I would respect in their field of endeavor, their their service area, have their head in the sand, and and don't and they're like the three monkeys. One got his hands over his eyes, the other's got his hands over his ears, and the other's got his hands on his mouth. And so, Sean. I guess had an exchange. I, I'll have to call and find out who they had the exchange with, but they had a little exchange with him. And he said, oh, I, I, you guys are all biased. I would never pay any attention. You guys are full of baloney kind of a deal. So here we have an article with this doctor who's been fired for treating people with ivermectin, which in the city, it's interesting. Sean ought to get out of the United States and go travel some. And I've been in the, the province of Uttar, U-D-D-A-R, Uttar Pradesh. They had like 260 million people, and they had a huge outbreak of COVID. You know how they stopped it? They issued every family packets of ivermectin, Z-Packs, zinc, and some other vitamins, and they stopped it in its tracks, and it's dead. They stopped it. So this Vancouver dismisses Vancouver Health dismisses stillbirth claims as rumors and disinformation. You talk about shutting down and not telling the facts. There's all kinds of, uh, anyway, I, I got to go on here. So there, there's a foundation called rare foundation, R A I R rare foundation. USA is previously reported by them. Comments like these are shockingly irresponsible considering that both the UK and the U S vaccine adverse re event reporting system documented numerous vaccine related adverse events for pregnant women, prominent virologist, Dr. Sukarit Bakhti warned pregnant women against a jab 
the vaccine package insert for biotech even says that pregnant women aren't allowed to be vaccinated because vaccine injury cannot be ruled out. And if a young woman decides to get vaccinated, she should avoid becoming pregnant for a couple of months. Furthermore, a recent report regarding the World Health Organization's database, over 2 million adverse reactions to the jab have been reported in 2021 alone, with effects including stillbirth, vaginal hemorrhaging, myocarditis, that's a heart heart problem, brain neoplasms, those are tumors, spontaneous abortion, pulmonary embolism, renal, that's kidney, re- renal failure, and hundreds of others. Now, I... I uh, want to, uh, I got to look up this deal because I told my friend, he sends me information all the time. And let me see if I can get down here. Okay, here it is. So my friend who left Sutter County after living here for many, many years, retired from the Air Force and and moved to Missouri with his wife. Uh, And so he runs into this nurse, right? So here's what she tells him back in Missouri. He says, Lou, today while shopping, I spoke with a 30-year-old RN working at one of our local hospitals here. She confirmed everything we all know to be true and correct. Hospitals not authorizing the use of alternate proven protocols to treat COVID-19 patients and shamefully placing profits over health care, meaning treating them with remdesivir and killing them. The nurse herself is a survivor and proof of ivermectin. She, in other words, she got COVID and she used ivermectin, Z-Packs, and vitamin D, as she explained. Doctors, she says, doctors and nurses are being threatened and leveraged to keep their jobs, licenses, and forced vaccines or lose everything. Folks, uh, he says, we are in a fight for all we hold dear from our family's faith, freedom, and our country. Now, every week, I got to think through what do I want to put on this? What clips do I want to include? And I have to leave out a lot of good stuff. And there was a nurse that just got canned from Kaiser Permanente. Now, Kaiser Permanente, they they reach right up close to our region and serve a lot of people here. Now, she didn't say what which one, but she got canned because she would not take the jab. And... Uh, she said they pay very good. She was complimentary with Kaiser Permanente. She said they pay very good here. Uh, but she said, I'm, I am not going to give up my freedom. So um, anyway, um, so it says, uh, this one lady says, on Sunday, a Twitter user posted that her grandson was stillborn at the Lions Gate Hospital. This is the one that the doctor was talking about. After eight and a half months of pregnancy, she said, my daughter got that damned poison vaccine one month ago because she couldn't go to a restaurant and people were freaking out because that she was not vaxxed. She said, I want to sue the government. <clears throat> so, uh, it just, what's happening is here is there's a complete shutdown on information, good information, accurate information. Hospitals are not telling the truth. Hospitals are giving things. The medicines are given people are the profitable medicines like remdesivir as opposed to budesonide, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, Z-Packs, etc. Said without scientific justification, this article says leaders worldwide are pressuring people to get jabbed by claiming that the virus is now a pandemic 
of the unvaccinated. In other words, the unvaccinated people are the problem. Yet, as reported by the Rare Foundation, totalitarian regimes, just like Vietnam, China, Laos, responsible for the most horrific atrocities in history, also demonize, ostracize, and socially eradicated individuals. Now, people, I've got, I have two friends in their 20s, both took the jab. I've had a lot of people in Asia, Cambodia, Vietnam, that have taken the jab because they couldn't leave the house, they couldn't go to work, they couldn't do anything, and they just they became exasperated, and they thought, oh, it can't be that bad, but it is that bad. One of them died. He immediately his platelets crashed. In fact, there's local there's local law enforcement officials officials in in our town here. Their platelets are crashed and they're they're done. They it's like having leukemia. So another one. Uh, there are soft uh, Ryan Cole and I I couldn't find what he wrote up. I may find it in a minute. But Ryan Cole, with the largest lab in the United States, just said. It's the, the, the vaccine, the shots are creating soft, immediate soft tissue cancers. This gal uh, ended up uh, dying of uterine cancers, cancer, and the other guy uh, died of uh, a leukemia-type stuff in Vietnam. One Cambodia, one Vietnam, both in their 20s. It's just unbelievable. We're going to take a break, and uh, we have one more segment to go. Hang tight. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung Nothing you can say but you can learn how to play the game It's easy Nothing you can make that can't be made No one you can say that can't be saved What about the individuals who refuse to have this number implantation? We expect some minor resistance especially from highly motivated religious groups. But eventually, hunger will cause even the most zealous to conform to our program. Gentlemen, I believe that within a year, two at the most, our one-world government will be a reality. If we continue on our present course, it is my opinion that we could present the devil himself as a world leader, and the people would accept him. The clip I just showed you was from the 1981 film entitled Early Warning. Initially, this film didn't get much attention. However, it is now 40 years later and people are starting to notice something a little bit strange. Here, see for yourself. I would like to thank each and every one of you for your hard work and dedication to our cause. In reviewing this year's progress, let me say that we have been highly effective in conditioning the people's minds to accept our solution to the world's problems. The energy crisis here in the United States was exceptionally successful worldwide, and we expect similar success with our upcoming food shortage. Our labor leaders have made great progress by causing confusion and work stoppages in all areas of the world. Financially, the dollar is being devalued even faster than we could have hoped. Politically, the public has lost total confidence in any form of government. The threat of universal war is a daily possibility. As you know, we ourselves do not need to hold any visible office of leadership. As a matter of fact, it's better that we do not. 
We control the finances, news media, food, transportation, energy. We control everything. It is important that you, as world leaders, keep our program before your countrymen. With our World Bank and computer program operation, we now have the capacity to control the financial affairs of every human being on Earth by giving each person his own computer number. Anytime his number is used, we would know his financial situation at once. He could not buy or sell anything without his computer number. It will simplify their lifestyles tremendously. The end result will be a one-world monetary and government system that we alone will control. Yes. What about the people who forget their number, or their cards are lost or stolen? We've made provisions for that. By using this laser imprinter, we can painlessly and permanently affix the person's number to the back of his hand or his forehead if he so desires. The numbers would be easily read by this new ultraviolet scanning equipment. For the purposes of demonstration, I've had such a number imprinted on myself. Once this number is imprinted, it cannot be lost nor can it be changed. Now, are there any questions? What about the individuals who refuse to have this number implantation? We expect some minor resistance, especially from highly motivated religious groups. But eventually, hunger will cause even the most zealous to conform to our program. Gentlemen, I believe that within a year, two at the most, our one-world government will be a reality. If we continue on our present course, it is my opinion that we could present the devil himself as a world leader, and the people would accept him. Brothers, brothers, let us begin. I have convened this meeting to find out what you are doing. Why have we not taken a plane in 13 years? Khalid, you don't even know. It is all because the cunning and mighty TSA is always one step ahead of us. I do not believe it. It's true. Last month, I attempted to take down a plane with a pair of scissors five inches long. That sounds like a perfect plan. Well, why did it not work? Because in this shrewd TSA, they made restrictions so you can only take a four-inch scissors. Four inches. What? Yes. How could they know that a five-inch blade is a dangerous weapon and a four-inch blade is no more than a child's plaything? That is the genius of TSA! They foil us at every turn! Devils! You know, it's the same way with the liquid. What, what about the liquid? What? Yeah. We all know how much devastation we can wreak with 3.5 ounces of liquid. The, 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 the damage is incalculable. The crafty TSA, they have limited passengers to only 3.4 ounces. Damn it! Do none of you have a solution how to, 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 for us to thwart this TSA? Khalid, Khalid, it's like you've been living in a... Well, here, look. The TSA, they strike fear into my heart with their polyester shirts and their disposable rubber gloves and, and, and the, the sneaker shoes. They are so clever. Clever. Yes. They act as if they are listless, overweight employees who don't give a fuck. When in reality, they are an elite force of anti-terrorist commandos. Oh, curse the brilliant TSA. 
religion, if I may. I think I have a way to triumph over the wily TFA. Finally. Let's give him a shout. I have a plan to put a bomb in a laptop and it will detonate once you pull it from its case. <laughs> yes! Yes, it is perfect! Planes will rain down from the sky onto the infidels! Sneak in here for a second. I don't, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Then don't be! Yeah, well, you are. It's as if the prophetic and all-knowing TSA has predicted your plan. They make you take the laptop out of the carrying case and put it in a separate bin before you get on the plane. Come on, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me, Marvez? This is not a funny joke if it's a joke. no time for kidding. I wouldn't kid. Oh, my God. I can't believe these mothers of devils. Yeah. Well, very well, then. Since you have all failed, I will tell you how we will destroy the non-believers. I have developed the smallest bomb possible. It fits perfectly into this. A full-sized tube of toothpaste. <laughs> yes! Oh, it's really great, isn't it? I mean, it's really fantastic. What's going on over here? What's the situation over here? Okay. Is there a version of the toothpaste bomb that comes in travel size? You know what? It's like they're in our head. final segment i want to mention a couple other people that help us uh make the wheels turn over here and i want to give a shout out to dr cassidy who helps us dr joe cassidy he's practiced here for about 30 years majority of it he was a health officer for yuba county and was the the jail officer for yuba county jail and uh during that time not one person died in the jail which is amazing so uh, recently, he and I became frustrated with not being able to get a lot of addicts off the street because we have a big opiate and fentanyl problem, and a lot of people were overdosing. And uh, so we brainstormed, and we decided to send hand out and give to people to hand out these little small three-by-three-inch flyer uh, with our names and, and phone numbers and what we would do for them when they're ready. And so we've been getting calls and we've been getting people into rehab and on treatment and medicines and all kinds of stuff. So I want to tell you how to do it. If you know anybody, in fact, I just got a call. I, actually, I'm getting a couple, two or three calls a week right now. And I got a call on a really bad alcohol problem this morning. And uh, the other day I helped some folks I've known for 40 years. They're, they have a relative. So uh, the cool thing is we're getting people into treatment. So uh, here's how to do it. So if it, if you have a person, anything, even smoking, uh, alcohol, any any kind of uh, kind of drugs, whether they're pharmaceutical drugs or illegal drugs, right? So called Peachtree Health. There's a variety of locations in Yuba Sutter counties, and uh, ask for Dr. Cassidy, 
And uh, just when they ask you, hey, what's your problem? Just say addiction. Simple, right? And then uh, they hopefully they'll just make you an appointment. Now, here's the number. 530-749-3242. 530-749-3242. If, for instance, you get a new new person on the phone, they say, oh, he's very busy. He can't take any new patients or da-da-da-da. Just say, okay, thank you very much. And then I'm going to give you his number, and you can text him, said, hey, the front desk said you weren't taking anybody. I got addiction problems, and he'll take you. So here's Dr. Cassidy's number. You can text him. Don't call him. Text him. And don't text him in the middle of the night. He's got to sleep. So 530-682-8648. So every couple of days, people say, hey, what was his number again, Lou? They hit me up. 530-682-8648. Text him. If all that fails and you don't and you need more urgent help, call me up. You can call me 24 hours a day. Just dial my number. And if I'm on the phone, give me a break. Just leave a message. Okay, I will call you back. So uh, or you can text me 530-713-1838. 530-713-1838. Okay, so Dr. Cassidy's helping us here. And then uh, my good friend, Dave Greenitz, who's busy as can be, always say, says to me, Lou, I don't even know whether I'd buy any advertising. I'm so busy. I, he said, it's busy, busy, busy. And uh, so he said, I don't know, the last time I talked to me, I had like eight, six, eight or nine kitchens all they're working on are lined up. So I said, no baths? He said, oh, I got so many kitchens. I just I haven't even done any baths. But they're aces at doing baths and kitchens, and as well as other things. I mean, they're just great carpenters. They're great people. They're honest people. They're they're stu- they're craftsmen. Uh, number one, they have great subs that work under them. So a uh, green, check it out. You can just look at his uh, platforms. Greenitz Construction. That's green with E T Z on the end. Greenitzconstruction.com. Or you could go over to his uh, Facebook site, Dave Greenitz Construction, and. Um, Check out the before and after photos, see if it kind of turns you on. If it does, uh, you can email him off those platforms, or you could dial him up old school if you want, 530-682-9602, 530-682-9602, text or call. And then finally, uh, I think one of the guys that the longest, I, I met Monty Hecker on a political campaign. I'd always heard about him with Elite Universal Security, that he was a veteran um, in the Air Force, and then he started the security company, and and uh, I don't know how many years it's been. I should ask him. Actually, they're looking for workers as well, and uh, but they started in Yuba County. Now they're all over the North State, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty. It's a success story, and so they're looking for people. If if you're listening uh, to this show, and you're not from Yuba or Sutter counties, but you think, I wonder if, you know, you want some work, you want to be a guard, or maybe you're thinking about going into law enforcement, and you think, oh, maybe I'll do the guard thing for a couple of years or a year or so before I get a little older, uh, old enough to be a cop, and then, uh, so, but Monty will train you, and same way with uh, Thrifty Rooter will train you, the plumbing doctor will train you, uh, all these people are looking for work, there's work everywhere. And Elite Universal Security, they'll even take you on part-time or even all you plumbers out there, if, you, if you're if you bored, you you retired from plumbing and you you think, oh, I'd, I'd do one or two days a week, I'd call either Plumbing Doctor or Thrifty Rooter and get on. Same way with, uh, I've met some of my friends I went to school with and they said, oh, Lou, I retired. I could, I was too, I can't stay at home, man. I, <laughs> so they were out working for 
I don't know whether they're working for Monty, but uh, if you're interested in a job, they will teach you how to do the job. And they'll train you. Some of it's online. Some of it's in person. Elite Universal Security. And uh, they're located over here in just south of Marysville in Linda. And you can reach them at 530-749-0280. So one of our uh, other uh, supporters, Thrifty Rooter, was having some trouble. And some folks started a fire right next to their building. And they were they were sleeping around there and making a mess. And so we, uh, we were able to solve this and... and get a solution working from uh, hooking up elite universal security with the, with uh, the thrifty router. So uh, anyway, the, it isn't just a matter of somebody guarding your business. There's all kinds of technology now. Uh, and they can, they can get the thing under control and into a maintenance. It, it's, it's a whole new world out there in technology and security and patrol and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, give Monty a call at 530-749-0280, and he will help you strategize and come up with a, a solution to keep your stuff your stuff. Keep it with you. So uh, Also, they'll help you get your concealed weapon permit, or if you, you want to learn how to use a taser, or you want to maybe you get some different kind of these chemical sprays, you want to learn how to use it, they'll help you. So uh, they have classes of all types out there at their place. So give them a shout out. So that's the the group of them. I want to spend. Uh, we got about twelve minutes, and that's great. It it uh, gives me a good good. I want to talk about. Uh, by the way, let's see. What am I leaving something out here? Um, I think I feel like I'm leaving. Oh yeah, I am leaving something out. I wanted to mention that there's been a change at the Yuba County Republican Central Committee meeting nights. They normally met on the second Tuesday night of each month, and they realized after they, they, the meet, they, there wasn't even a central committee anymore, and they weren't meeting. But then we had an entirely new board of directors, new committee members, and they got, they got a good group of people, 40, 50 people coming out to meet. <clears throat> and they're really wanting to get something done for Yuba County in terms of recruiting conservatives to run and helping them win and uh and and re- research and ballot initiatives and standing up for what's right so uh they're having the meetings on the second tuesday but then they realize because they want to be they want to be activists they just don't want to attend meetings they realize that that tuesday fell on on board member night board meeting night so a lot of the meetings are on tuesdays so sometimes you School board meetings on certain Tuesdays, city council certain Tuesdays, supervisors certain Tuesdays. It's a popular meeting night. So they're they're moving uh, from the second Tuesday to the third Tuesday of the month. So I think they're going to go ahead and have a a meeting. It sounded like it last night when I was talking to one of the ladies. They're going to have a meeting on December 16th, which is the third Tuesday, and they're going to have a little potluck and celebration of their accomplishments. And that, I think that starts around towards 6.30, but the meeting starts at 7. So uh, if you've never been to one, you don't have to join or you don't have to be on the board or you don't have to be a committee member. Like they're looking for committee members. They want five from each supervisorial district, so that's 25 in all. But if you don't, you just want to participate and help and, and work 
and maybe register people to vote or whatever. You don't have to be on anything or join anything. Just be involved. So they're looking for people that really want to make a difference. If you're unhappy with the way California's going, it's going to take a bunch of us to make a change, right? So uh, on the 16th, uh, they they conduct their meetings at Hallwood Community Church. That's just uh, east of Marysville on Highway 20. 2825 Highway 20, right across from Cordova Elementary School. So Hallwood Community Church, and uh, if you need a phone number, it's 530-777-5021. So uh, they also have a website. I've never looked at their website, but it's yubacountyrcc.com, yubacountyrcc.com. So if you want to check that out, but uh, get involved, let's get some people, let's get it on. We got a lot of cool people in Yuba County and uh, let's do something. Let's, let's be activists. Let's just not hang out. So uh, that's what I wanted to tell you. And if you need, uh, I've always mentioned this before, but I don't want to run out of time here. So let me give you some, if you're needing, if you can't find a doctor, I know Dr. Dr. Mingala, our, our local doctor of death, she's trying to keep doctors from giving out ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and all these kind of things. So if you have trouble finding a doctor that will help you, you can go to myfreedoctors.com, common spelling, myfreedoctors.com. You could go to aflds.com. That's America's frontlinedoctors.com, aflds.com. You could go to Dr. Stella, remember Stella Emanuel, Dr. Stella, drstellamd.com, and they will all help you get the medication. Oh, and one, uh, Brian Artis, the Dr. Brian Artis, A-R-D-I-S, not artist, but Ardis. So it's called, his website's the doctor, the drartistshow.com, the drartistshow, great website, all these people have all the all the medicines, supplements, all the stuff to beef up your immune system. Okay, and uh, and also please subscribe to uh, childrenshealthdefense.org. That's Bobby Kennedy, his his group. You can get on their email. You'll get emails two or three times a week. Great emails, amazing emails. There's another website I like, chemicalviolence.com is another great website. So these are very sharp people. The Children's Health Defense, they're loaded with uh, doctors and attorneys that all work together, uh, along with exposing a lot of the terrible things that are being done uh, in the name of medicine today. Uh, And there's one other one, and I'm going to talk about this in just a minute, if I can. I'm scrolling down here. Okay. So um, the other one is Natural News. Natural News, Mike Adams. He has a great podcast every day, and you could get on his email as well. So his article is, How They Plan to Kill Billions with the Common Flu. COVID Vaccines Induce AIDS Immune System Failure, Opening the Door to Death Via or by common flu strains. So what are we talking about? So AIDS essentially is the breakdown and your your immune system becomes becomes inoperable. If your immune system, it's kind of like if you have a, a computer and you don't have any vi- virus software, antivirus software, 
overnight your your computer will be infected with a virus and shut it down right so your your virus antivirus software uh is your immune system. So your immune system is like having a doctor in the house all the time. So if you take care of good care of the doctor or the immune system, you eat right, you get enough sleep. Uh, and there's certain, you know, you, you get plenty of sleep, you eat right, you drink a legitimate amount of liquid, you eat good food, you eat, take some supplements, right? Then when anything comes, it doesn't matter. You don't need to know the name of it. You don't need to know you don't need to be scared by the media when anything comes in it just gets taken care of by your immune system okay so this is what mike adams says i got five minutes so i'm going to say covid vaccines he said are increasingly recognized as depopulation weapons being deployed against humanity so if you're a guy like sean harris He's probably a skeptic for some reason. I thought he was an investigator for, you know, police investigator who I have a great respect for, who who would come in with an open mind. But by the way, Mike Adams is a highly uh, awarded uh, inventor and writer and all kinds of things. Uh, he's he's not just some nutcase out here. Said COVID vaccines are depopulation weapons being deployed against humanity, but the mechanism of how they work is is only now becoming clear. Remember the gain of function? You've been hearing about gain of function, gain of function, gain of function. The gain of function researchers who built this bioweapon, all criminals against humanity, didn't want it to kill people too quickly because that would be noticed right away. So they needed a mechanism that would allow the spike protein injections to kill people slowly in a way that would could be blamed on something else. In other words, natural causes like us hit like if Lou died at my age, like after getting the jab, they'd say, oh, yeah, the guy, had, you know, it's his time. You know, he'd lived a good life. Da, 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 da. Their answer, vaccine induced immune system suppression. In other words, the vaccine or the shot you're taking, the mRNA thing will suppress or stop your immune system. It's not really a vaccine, he says, of course, but we say that term in protest. It's actually a gene-altering mRNA injection that programs human cells to produce non-human proteins, which are themselves pathogenic bioweapons that cause vascular, neurological, and reproductive damage. In addition to causing severe vascular damage throughout the body, a confirmed is as confirmed in a recently published uh, it's a it's a, a magazine called Circulation. <clears throat> it was re so this was all published there. The spike proteins destroy innate immune response. In other words, your God-given immune response, which is exactly why the mRNA vaccines are now falling or failing at an accelerating rate. Uh, so this is from the periodical circulation. It says, we conclude that the mRNA vax, V-A-C-S, dramatically increase inflammation on the endothelium and the T-cell infiltration of cardiac muscle and may account for the observations of increased thrombosis, cardiomyopathy, and other vascular events following vaccination. In other words, heart attacks. In other words, the mRNA vaccines cause widespread vascular inflammation leading to death via heart attacks, blood clots, strokes, and so on. Governments claim vaccines work really well if you haven't taken them yet. But the minute you take them, then you're told they don't work so well, so you're going to need a booster. 
This puts the governments of the world in the position uh, of trying to convince unvaccinated people that COVID vaccines work really well and should be taken by everyone, while at the same time telling vaccinated people that the injections they took actually don't work so hot and therefore they need a never-ending series of boosters. Even the fact that booster shots are now being required every three months in the U.K., is a clear admission that booster shots stop working in about three months. Otherwise, why would you need one? The real answer behind the three-month booster repetition is the COVID vaccines obliterate the uh, immune system and render people absolutely helpless in mounting an immune response against any old pathogen. <clears throat> once immune immunocompromised, in other words, once your immune system is broken down, it only takes a mild flu to kill you. Importantly, the immune suppression effects apply to non-COVID pathogens too. In other words, illnesses that don't have anything to do with COVID. So a person injected with mRNA gene therapy shots will have compromised immunity against common flu strains as well. In essence, they have been turned into a vaccine-induced AIDS patient with collapsing immunity against anything. And that makes them highly vulnerable to a deliberate release of a moderate flu strain that would normally kill only a frail or elderly folk. But when released against the backdrop of vaccine-induced immune suppression, it could kill hundreds of millions of vaccinated people worldwide. Depopulation agenda achieved, not with a bang, but with a whimper. And as for the people dying off around the world, the media will blame the unvaccinated as the final act of betrayal against humanity. They will say that more people need to take vaccines in order to stop the mass death. Anyone gullible enough to take take the shots, of course, will join the dying masses <clears throat> with an early grave. Why did globalists choose this route? Because they didn't want to, to nuke the planet with a truly vicious pathogen that would threaten their own children in the long run. They want to keep the really dangerous pathogens in the freezer while figuring out how to kill people with mild pathogens. Only by convincing the gullible masses to line up for the mRNA spike protein injections could they pull this off. And only by spreading mass hysteria <clears throat> being con controlled corporate media could they panic enough people into the vaccine injections. Well, we're done for this week, and uh, Lord willing, we'll be back next week. So if you want to get a hold of me for any of the reasons I talked about earlier, just dial me up at 531 one eight three eight. Thanks for listening, and uh, go out there and be safe and don't take the jab. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you.